This is Matt Hurt at Obsessive Viewer on Twitter. This is Tiny at Obsessive Tiny on Twitter. And I am Mike White, and you can find me at I am Mike White on Twitter. And this is ObsessiveViewer.com's The Obsessive Viewer Podcast. Hello and welcome to The Obsessive Viewer. We're a weekly movie and TV podcast that covers a specific topic, be it genre, trope, movie, or show each episode. You can find more of our work at ObsessiveViewer.com and more of our podcasting at ObsessiveViewer.com slash podcasts. And you can also like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at Facebook.com slash The Obsessive Viewer. And uh, real quick, our episode sponsor, once again, is Horror Movie Yearbook, which you can find at HM Yearbook on Twitter and at HorrorMovieYearbook.com. They're a podcast that takes a few different horror movies from the same year and reviews and, context- and, uh, reviews and comments on them in, co- in context with the pop culture and current events of the year of release. And this week on the podcast, we have a very special show because A, it's our big year in review episode, the one we always look forward to. And B, did I say one or B? Or one or A? Anyway, (laughs) B, Mike's back for this episode. Hey. Hi, Mike. That's me. Yeah. Hi. Do you want to introduce yourself? Just correct me if I'm being a super douchebag, but (laughs) I feel like I could sound the smile in your voice after I did my Twitter handle. Oh, yeah. you said this, the Obsessive Your Podcast. Oh, no, that that was... Are you saying that you could hear me smile? I could hear you smile, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It It felt good. That feels good. That's nice. That's accurate. That's good. Yes. Yeah. uh, (laughs) Tiny's confirming. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, this is always always a blast because, like... You know, for, for listeners who are more recent to the podcast, we have, uh, Mike is our co-host who's on sabbatical. You've been on mm-hmm. sabbatical for a couple of years now. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah. I, what, when did I start? I guess. Yeah. Uh, episode Just one before Oscar was born. Last. We'll say two years. Yeah. So probably. Yeah. And this is something interesting that I, I didn't notice until kind of going through the stats and everything, but. Your last episode, your last full-time episode was 107, and you came on okay. to the podcast around episode 5, and we're on episode okay. 231 now. Yeah. So we've, as much as it sucks, we've actually recorded more episodes without you than with you. Yeah. Oh my gosh, really? Right? Yeah. That is kind of unacceptable, Mike. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I kind of think you need I'm to surprised. stop creating people and come back to the podcast. <laughs> Stop what? What'd you say? Stop creating people and uh, come back. But uh, well, I'll yeah. do what I can. I, mm. I'm, I think I'm done creating people. I'll, oh, yeah. I will say that. Yeah. yeah. One of my favorite things to say or think or say on the podcast, but I don't know if I've ever actually said it on the podcast, is, uh, is uh, Mike, you're doing your part to <laughs> actually create more listeners for the podcast while you're away from the podcast. <laughs> So. I mean, really, that's the end goal. No, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so for our listeners, how you been? I'm good. Uh, I'm super busy. I'm. I. I got my master's, so it's not. I'm not working on my master's anymore, which is awesome. Uh, but I am. We are in the midst of uh, getting ready to have our second kid. We do. That's what. That's what Matt's talking about. We keep having. We keep making children. <laughs> 
and uh, so we're I'm 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 putting together a basketball team, putting together a band. We're gonna be a family band. <laughs> nice, a nice Partridge family. Yeah. I love it. Uh, so yeah, just just busy trying to find time to squeeze in all my hobbies, mm. and uh, I had to make time for the end of the year episode. Yes, and I'm we're both so happy to have you back, if only for this one episode a year. Even I know that you've made appearances here and there. Uh, throughout yeah. the throughout the year, we did our uh, Pirates of the Caribbean episode. That was nice. Yes, when I came down right. To yeah, yeah, over the summer. Yeah, yeah. That's the other thing. Um, that's that's interesting. Is I, I you know, I'm not. Uh, I'm friends f- with you guys first. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, I think people know our backstory by right. now if they're a listener. But you know, Matt and I were roommates in college, and we we talk often. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I would I would say most days. Uh, at least on, you know, through, through messengers and mm-hmm. stuff. So it's not like I'm a, you know, a long lost guest who's just out of touch. I just, I just right. unfortunately don't have time to record with you guys. Right. right. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. And so let's, I, I don't know how to transition. I'm just so excited to, to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, so this is the big end of the year episode where basically we're, <laughs> Kicking off 2018 with a look back at 2017, and we're going to go through our uh, viewing habits of the year, um, and then obviously we're going to go through our top 10 lists for favorite movies of the year. And uh, yeah, so to kind of, and that's all we're going to be talking about today. We're not going to have a potpourri section or anything. Um, right. So we're going to kind of dive right into it. Let's let's kind of talk about our viewing habits of the year and, and kind of go through our stats. Um Mike, do you have those figures compiled for the for the group? I feel like I do. Well, I, I have as best I can. Okay. Uh, and so I'll and so I'll kind of go through those. Okay. <clears throat> go right ahead. So you know one of the one of the reasons I kind of had to take a step back from the obsessive viewer is I felt uh like I <laughs> like I wasn't an obsessive viewer. I felt mm-hmm. a bit like a fraud. Uh, just you know with a kid and uh and and work, it's it's it gets a little difficult to watch movies. Um, as often, especially as often as we used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so my numbers are, are way low. So my total movies watched for 2017 is 135, uh, <laughs> which is way significantly lower than I, than I used to watch. Um, I don't know exactly. I don't remember off the top of my head what I did in 16, but I want to say it's, it's down. I, you know, I had a few months where I only watched. Uh, a couple movies. So, um, the most movies I watched in a month is 40 in October. So I, I, as difficult as my, um, you know, finding time for hobbies and things can be, I definitely, uh, Shocktober is very important to me. And so I, I really tried to go for the 31 for 31. I did not watch a movie every day, but I did hit 31 scary movies. Uh, and 40 total movies. Nice. We can nice. kind of talk about that later. So oh, yeah. October was great. If, um, in fact, it was one of the best Shocktobers I've had. Um, I, it's since I've been married, I, I think <laughs> I, I just kind of made a point to watch as many as possible. Uh, the least amount of movies I watched, I think there must have been some sort of October hangover because in November I only watched five. Okay. Um, which I think, <clears throat> which I think is the least amount of movies I've watched in a month. Um, maybe since I did student teaching, I, I think I remember I had one month where I watched nine, and I was like embarrassed by that. So five <laughs> is five is uh, kind of shameful. Uh, that said, 
my total theater viewings mm-hmm. uh, for 2017 is 51. Uh, and if you're a longtime listener of the podcast, you know that my friend uh, Jake and I, we go to uh, the movies uh, every Thursday. We try to shoot for every Thursday. Sometimes we do Wednesdays. Uh, and we hit our, um, what was it, 2010. So this year was seven years. Mm-hmm. Uh, nice. we, we celebrated movie number 350 this year. Wow. Uh, and I think together, he and I... You know, if it's like Christmas or Thanksgiving or one of us is on vacation, we skip a week. I, I want to say he and I did about 47 movies this year. Okay. Uh, so I, you know, I only saw a few, um, on my own, you know, with my wife or, or with my brother or something like that. Mm-hmm. So 51 total theater viewings. And I don't, I know, I have a feeling you guys are going to come at me with percentages and I, and I don't have, <laughs> unfortunately, my percentages, but, uh, those are my numbers. So total movies, 135. Most movies watched in a month was 40 in October. Least movies in a month is five in November. Uh, and then total theater viewings was 51. Uh, and I just percentage wise looking at it, it's, it's more than one third of the movies I watched. I know mm. that more. I want to say it's like 40%. Right. Wow. Somebody do quick math. So yeah. when you, when you say total movies watched 135 is that total viewings overall or did you take into account like repeat like did you watch like Spider-Man Homecoming two or three times this year Yeah right that's that is uh I I watched a movie 135 times which gotcha. includes you know I watched Halloween twice mm-hmm. I wa- uh Spider-Man actually that's a good one I watched I watched mm-hmm. that twice um saw a couple movies in theaters twice so any any time I sat down and watched the movies 135 i didn't do a very good job i know in the past we've done like um how many of them are repeat viewings Mm -hmm. and um i watch so few repeat viewings Mm -hmm. it's kind of sad so let me say this like excuse me my movie watching habits are as such so i I see just about every movie that comes in theaters. When you go once a week, sometimes twice a week. Now that we've got movie pass, we go twice a week. No, I was going to um, ask if you got movie pass. We did. Yeah, I finally nice. did. It's, it's too good not to. Oh yeah. So we, we always see them. We see every movie. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm the guy at work who has seen that movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which is nice. And then, so if it's a, if it's a really good movie, usually I'll buy it. Um, used on DVD or on Blu-ray later. And then so like in the next year or in the next several months, I'll watch that again. Mm -hmm. But in terms of like going back into my DVD collection, um, it's kind of bad. Like every now and then my wife and I'll sit down and and she'll want to watch uh, whatever. I love you, man, or something like that. Sure. Um, And then, you know, I watched a lot of over the summer, the Friday the 13th game came out. So I was kind of obsessed with Friday the 13th for a little while. And Mm -hmm. so I watched all of those while I was working on, um, working on the yearbook that I do. And then obviously October is, is just, um, super full of, of rewatches. Not as, not as many as I thought, but, but a lot. So I, I just, I don't watch a whole lot of, um, movies. And in fact, I have this running list now of great movies that I've seen in the last five years that I just mm-hmm. call like movies I need to see again or movies I need to watch again. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like I think a couple years ago, I just, I talked a lot about prisoners. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah. and I have not yeah. seen that since my 
my Blu-ray watch, oh, right? Wow. So like I saw it in theaters and then it came out on Blu-ray and I bought it and I haven't seen it since. And how, how dare I call it one of the, one of my favorite movies of the last five years. And I've seen sure. it twice. Like, what do I know? Ah, uh, yeah, that makes I sense. have that same feeling a lot of time. So I know yeah. what you mean. Yeah, okay, good. <laughs> Makes me feel good. I like, <clears throat> you know, one of. Them, so I watch Halloween every year. That that doesn't count. I watch Back to the Future every two years, so that doesn't count. But like, Pulp Fiction. Like, I need to watch. I'm due. I'm due to watch Pulp Fiction again. Yeah. <clears throat> oh, I totally. Me, but I. That. I just. I. I. It. Like, if I'm gonna sit down for two hours, mm-hmm. to be honest, as my stats show, I'm not gonna watch a movie. Right. But if I am gonna sit down for two hours and say, okay, I'm gonna watch a movie. I'm going to watch something I've either only seen once in theaters or I'm, or I've only seen it once. I mm-hmm. I just don't have the, like, it's gotta be a special occasion. It's gotta be Christmas or October. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I can't think of a good time to <laughs> watch Pulp Fiction. Like what's the, what's the, what's a Pulp Fiction vibe uh, night like, you know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's, and see, that's, it's so interesting to me because <laughs> I kind of feel like we're all going to have the same kind of thing because I mean, like you guys are both married, Mike. You have a a kid, a kid, and a kid on the way, and then mm-hmm. Tiny, you just got married, and you have a dog and everything. Mm-hmm. And like me, like I, I no longer have like my security job where I would just kind of screw around my whole shift or watch movies the whole the whole night or anything like that. So it's mm-hmm. like, I just like. I'm the same way. Like if I have two hours, like, okay, I get off work, uh, at like five 30 and then I want to be in bed at like midnight. I mean, granted that gives me like what? Six, seven hours. Right. But right. it's also like I've spent the whole day just doing like work and like, I'm kind of exhausted. I just want to kind of shut my brain off. So I don't, <laughs> sometimes I don't feel like watching like something new that I need to really wrap my head around. And then plus right. I have to, record and edit three different podcasts so (laughs) right yeah and for me it's like um you know my band is working on a new record and Mm -hmm. so we're recording that and i've got a stack of comics that's like a foot tall Mm -hmm. um i don't we don't do screens or video games or anything while oscar's awake so you know until he goes to bed we just play Mm -hmm. uh you know play with toys and stuff um and then, and then when that's all done and, you know, if my wife doesn't want to watch a show and of course I'd rather just watch a show with her sometimes like, okay, I'm going to play video games for two hours. It's yeah. just, it's hard. It's, it's hard to, it's hard to allocate time. Absolutely. Um, totally. Oh yeah. I get it to do that. So. Yep. It's, uh, it's, uh, <coughs> it's tough being, you know, adults and <laughs> yeah. responsible. And I say that yeah. without having like any real responsibilities in my life but it's still like it's kind of a drain and it's kind of a bummer dude but pizza roll can hear you she can oh she's so precious <laughs> um but yeah mike did you have any more about your stats or should we move on to tiny well um no not specifically the only thing so a while ago we talked about um i think the last time i was on i talked about feeling like a fraud and not an obsessive viewer and you said what makes us obsessive is the stats and keeping track of it mm-hmm. uh and and you know talking about it the way we do so if i could just for a little bit explain uh one way that i am an obsessive viewer that i'm actually very excited about nice absolutely um, so i would like to formally invite you guys to mike and jake's movie night 10 year anniversary and 500 movie celebration um, <clears throat> for August 19th, uh, 2020. Um, <laughs> so, 
No, I'm not kidding though. Uh, <laughs> we, I, I have printed out uh, the next three years the calendars. Um, kept track of so like last week we saw our 354th movie or something like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so we need to fill in, um, you know, whatever 500 minus that amount of numbers. And so we need to see that many movies between now and August 19th. So we're gonna have to do a couple double features. We're gonna have to, uh, make things work, but we're, we've, we've like mapped out to, to try to make it. So 500 movies and 10 years falls on the same day. That is awesome. Uh, be still my heart. <laughs> I know we're pretty psyched. We're pretty psyched. That's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. We so you know obviously the anniversary stays the same every year. It's always mm-hmm. August nineteenth. We saw Scott Pilgrim versus the World in two thousand ten. Mm-hmm. Decided wow. to do movie night, um, and then so like just because base fifty is just a cool way of keeping track of things. So, uh, you know, every fifty we always kind of do a we'll go out to dinner or or whatever. Not, not usually a big thing, but like I said, go out to dinner. We usually get snacks. You know, we don't. Everybody's always like, how do you afford to go to movies all the time? And I'm like, well, we don't get, we don't do popcorn and drinks every single time. We just right. go watch a movie or whatever. Yeah. So we, we get popcorn and, <clears throat> and drinks and some candy. Um, and so like for a couple of years, it 50 would land in October. And then for a couple of years, we, we missed a few. So 50 would land in November. Um, and so this year 50 landed in November. So we're going to have to do some work to, Mm -hmm. to pull it back to August. Um, so that we see, we do 500 and and 10 years at the same time, but we're, it's funny. We're like, I don't even know what I'm doing for Valentine's day, (laughs) which is, which is like 34 days away. (laughs) And, uh, we're already planning our, our 10 year. God, that's uh, so awesome. So yeah, we're, we're super stoked on that. Nice. Um, I am obsessive, I tell you. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um. So, oh, <laughs> this is a fun, a fun little game. Uh, August nineteenth, twenty twenty. What in the realm of like studio movies that are like on the slate? Do you have any idea of like what you would want to coincide with that? Uh, like what kind oh, of movies you would um, want to see? I mean, the dream would be like Scott Pilgrim too. <laughs> <laughs> Right. Oh, hang on uh, to that. Which I, that, that's not even a thing right yeah. now. But I. But but that'd be cool. I don't know. Like, what's not a whole lot comes out in August. It'd be like yeah. the end of the summer season. So we we'll, we will probably have already seen. I don't know. Like Guardians of the Galaxy three. Yeah. I don't know. Watch it be uh, Avatar. <laughs> yeah. Avatar two. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's true. Man, we've done so. This might be for another episode just talking about movie night we should have him on and talk oh, about absolutely. movie night totally oh, yeah okay oh absolutely uh, then i then i'll then i'll i'll only say one last thing and try not to mm-hmm. try not to do try not to steal too much from that fun mm-hmm. episode but like um we saw insidious chapter four not ch- that's not a thing insidious the last key uh-huh. uh to uh last week mm-hmm. and um that is our we've seen all four of those during movie Ooh. night together that's the first four quadrilogy, like four four. I guess you'd call nice. it. Nice. Nice. That's awesome. What's, what's your movie this week? We're going to see, we're trying to decide if we want to see the post. Mm. Uh, and it, it's like one of those like movies that's probably, it's going to be great, but mm. like, I just, I, you know, 
I don't know. It's either that or Jumanji. Like, do we want to have fun or do we want to see a great movie? Yeah, oh, I, yeah. I guess that. Yeah. I think I'm going to try to see The Post this weekend. So And, yeah. So, anyway, what are you guys up to? <laughs> well, Tiny, do you want to regale us with your viewing stats for the year? Sure, I'd love to. Um, up and down from last year, but uh, overall much better. So... In 2016, if you'll remember, the major event I had was I got engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, but that was it. And like, I, I had, obviously I was falling in love with my now wife and everything and spending a lot of time with her. So that's kind of what I attributed to my 90 some viewings last year. Very yeah. pitiful show. Uh, this year, ironically, I got married. I bought a house and got a dog. All this year, and I watched 155. Man, yeah, not bad. So awesome. more than 50 percent better than last year. So I don't know Dang. what it was. I don't. I think it's just the fact that we bought a house, mm-hmm. and so we're more grounded now. And it's like, mm-hmm. hey, we spend all this money oh, on yeah. this house every month. Maybe it's we should night. stay. Maybe we should stay in the house from time to time. <laughs> right. So I think that was part of it. So I'm really happy with 155. Nice. I think maybe the days of 200 plus viewings are in my future, or in my past, not yeah. in my future. Um, not Do you mean that. 364 plus? Oh God, right. new. No. <laughs> that that will never happen again. I'm, I can yeah. say with quite a bit of confidence. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm pretty happy with my 155. Um, That's not bad at all. One stat that dropped that I'm not happy with is I only saw nine movies in the theater. Mm. That's not good. Um, okay. I want that to be at least in the 20s. Um, Someday it's a goal of mine to get hit 52, see a movie every week like Mike does. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I know you guys have each seen upwards of 60 or maybe even 70 in a year in the theater. Yeah, I think I, think I hit 71 a couple of years ago. I right thought now. so. I think which I is... hit like 70 last year. Okay. Or something ridiculous. That's incredible. And I I don't even strive for that. <laughs> but I'd like to hit 52, you know, kind of one, one for every week. Um, mm-hmm. Sometime I'll do that in the future. Uh, but nine is not good enough. I was I was disappointed with that. Um, and then I was pretty consistent through the months with my with my viewings. Uh, it was usually in the teens or so. Uh, most I had for one uh, one month was December, which is pretty typical. I had eighteen viewings because I watched a lot of Christmas movies. Then uh, kind of like Mike's Shocktober. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the least I had was nine in June and September. So that's it. I didn't do like repeat viewings or any of that. I didn't do percentages mm-hmm. or any of that stuff. Um, those are just kind of the main big blocks of st- statistics I had for the year. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Um, any anything else you want to add? Any like standouts to your viewing habits or anything? Oh man, I I don't. I, I can tell you that. Um, yeah, like like Mike was saying, um, I'm disappointed that I have. 600 plus DVDs and I'm not mm-hmm. sure I watched one of them this year. Yeah. Which is oh. horrible. And yeah. it, well the reason yep. is they're all packed up mm-hmm. in boxes in my basement. Mm-hmm. I have yet to get my basement set up. There's a lot of stuff I want to do down there. I need to get new new I'm going to build a whole shelving system to display them on and all my books nice. and comic books and everything and um I just have not gotten around to that. It's going to take a lot of work down there. So that's that's the reason why if I had them on display and I was looking at them all the time I'm like man I I haven't watched Looper in forever. Or, you know, I haven't watched oh, just Looper. Like, yes. I know. Looper, yeah. right? 12 years. I've, of, I've only seen that twice. I, yeah. I've, mm-hmm. I haven't seen it since the Blu-ray watch. Right. Dang. A few years ago, I said 12 Years a Slave might be the best movie I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. I've still only ever watched it in the theater. No. I have the Blu-ray sitting right. and I've never watched mm-hmm. it. So, yeah, I, I'd like to do that 
get into that next year. Um, but again, it's kind of contingent upon right. getting my shit together down there. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, I had very little repeat viewings. Um, and I didn't dig into my collection like at all. So that's, that's not good. But, uh, but I did see a bunch of stuff I'd never seen before. So that's, you know, catch 22, I guess. So yeah, sure. It was a good year though. I, I was happy with my total viewings. Um, and I, I'm happy with, you know, what I was able to see as far as big, important, good movies for the year. Mm-hmm. There's a ton I missed, like, you know, that we always talk about that, but, uh, I'm pretty happy with what I was able to squeeze in. Very nice. Which we will get to later. Oh, yes. So that's yeah. awesome. That, congrats. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Did you guys do a Shocktober episode? No. Nope. And, and I'll, t- I'll talk a little bit about that when I, when I, get to my my stats and everything but it's like like i i love horror movies and i love the horror genre but like shocktober to me now is getting everything ready for shocktober and irvington and oh yeah doing like yeah that's true yeah like trying to do heartland film festival like i felt bad because i got a bunch of tickets for heartland this this year for 2017 Mm -hmm. and like it was like the week after shocktober and irvington and then like I was just so exhausted. Like I did, I couldn't make it to any of the screenings I got tickets to, yeah. and it's just like I, I just it it sucks because like I want to get back into that, but I I feel myself like slipping away from it. Um, yeah, that sucks. It's yeah. it's like the one time <laughs> since having a kid that I still am able to squeeze in. Mm-hmm. Like it's I still prioritize it. Like you know. Uh, Oscar will go to bed and my wife will go to bed and it's like, okay, what am I going to do with my two hours? And, and luckily just all month I said, I'm going to watch scary movies. Nice. Uh, and they're awesome. I, it, I, it's a bummer you didn't do an episode or, or there's not, I guess there's not really an episode to do, but, right. um, some of the coolest movies I saw this year, uh, and they're not even on my list cause they, I just, I just watched them for the first time on Netflix. Okay. Um, or, or wherever, uh, where, where, and, in shocktober great nice. stuff that's awesome yeah i think yeah. kind of the the kind of trade-off that i have with like instead of doing like oh just watching as much as much horror stuff as i can in october like now the trade-off is december is the month that i have to watch as many 2017 or movies oh, released right. in that year yeah. so that i can have a, yeah. a well-rounded uh, top 10. And I think that's kind of the trade off is where, like where I can, where I can afford to be like an obsessive viewer. I'm, I'm kind of picking and choosing like where in the year I can do that. Right. Um, you know, what's funny is we waited, we waited a week mm-hmm. and a half, uh, to do this episode mm-hmm. just in case we missed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, cause we've had so many years, like I didn't get to see Manchester by the sea or La La mm-hmm. Land last year. Uh, until, you know, the middle of January, both of which would have totally ended up on my list, you mm-hmm. know, way toward the top. I remember a couple of years ago, Silver Linings Playbook came out and I yeah. didn't see that until January. And, um, I feel confident that I have seen the best movies this year. Nice. And see, like, like, I don't think. I don't know that Call Me By Your Name would end up on my list. Like, it, mm-hmm. if it's nominated for an Oscar, I'm thrilled to see it. Um, but I saw, and we'll talk about this, like, the yeah. two that would just make me go, oh, my God, I need to see. Uh, I think I've seen I've, I've seen them. Nice. And see, <clears throat> like, this is also, this is the first year of us doing this where we gave ourselves a grace period to to incorporate 
movies in the fir- that we watch in the first week of the year uh, into our top ten list. And like spoiler alert, but I watched like maybe four 2017 movies uh, in that grace period, and I I didn't like. I didn't add any to my top ten list. Like it's all stuff I watched last oh, year. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. Huh. Uh, but there are plenty that I didn't get to see, and uh, and yeah, and and I'll go ahead and run down my my viewing stats as well. Uh, Mike, you had 135 viewings. I did. Yeah, I had 136. Oh, nice. Yes. <laughs> and I'm single with no kids. Like, how is yeah. that? Like, why? Like, I don't, you guys are making me feel better. No, right? I mean. <laughs> Granted, like, okay, my, my kind of justification for that is that I, like, the year was, was pretty fine for me. I started working from home, which is freaking great. Like, over the last month, I've been able to, uh, like, like, that gives me, like, being able to, well, the last several months that I've worked from home, like, that gives me an extra hour, hour and a half that I would have otherwise been spent spending commuting to and from work so that, like, my day is literally longer. Mm-hmm. But I still just... It's like I said, it's just I'm kind of drained and I kind of just want to play video games or, or watch TV on Netflix. Like I, I sat that, I sat down and watched like maybe, maybe two hours of Wings on Hulu last night because I just didn't want to think and, uh, just wanted to go for the nostalgia factor. Um, so let me, mm-hmm. let me say this really quick if I can. It's sure. kind of make us feel, I don't know, make you guys feel better about my ineptitude this year. <laughs> so I know our numbers are, are similar. Uh, Tiny in the end blew us away. Mm-hmm. Um, but so what I just did was I took, I so my, my highest month was October. Mm-hmm. Obviously what I'm telling you guys is that without October and the concentration of movies, mm-hmm. uh, I wouldn't have been nearly as close. So if you take out October, mm-hmm. I I saw 95 movies. And so I divided that by the, the other 11 months and that was mm-hmm. something like eight. Uh, so I, you know, aside from October, I averaged eight movies a month. So I added oh, the 95, which is the 11 months less October mm-hmm. to the average one. So let's pretend I saw an average amount of movies in October, which was eight something. Mm-hmm. If you took out October and gave it the average, I only saw 103 movies. Interesting. Mm, and wow. I, I just did that too. And I, I did like, my average is nine. Uh, my average less my high my high uh, um, month is nine movies per month. Okay. And so let me see one thirty six minus because spoiler alert I watched thirty three movies in December. Um, oh dang! Yeah. What? Oh, because of the two thousand seventeen. Yeah, exactly. I see. And then that would mean. Wait, how did I do that? Yeah, average of nine. Um. If I added that, I don't know. Math is hard, but anyway, um, I just, I just got, I just got bored of myself doing that. But and I'm sorry, I totally cut you off. Oh no, 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 you're fine. You didn't give the rest of your numbers. Oh no, you're fine. So 136 total viewings, and that's of 123 titles. So there were uh, uh, 13 movies that I watched repeatedly. Um, Now the interesting thing about that is that I. Of the repeat viewings, uh, like I, I never watched a movie more than two, more than two times. Like okay. each, each, uh, each repeat viewing was was one repeat viewing and no more oh, than geez. that. Yeah, and then first time viewings, like movies that I watched for the first time in my life, uh, were sixty six. That's good. Yeah. 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 Out of one thirty six, though, that's just yeah. Well, yeah, that is a little, a little yeah. less than half. Yeah. So it's kind of 
I don't know, I've, uh, like half of the movies were first viewings. And like, honestly, I think that the, the reason why I even got up to 136 was just I throw stuff on, on in the background while I'm, uh, editing the podcast or, mm-hmm. or what have you. Um, and then total theater viewings, um, which last year, my total theater viewings, I had 83 because I had movie pass for the year. Uh, theater viewings for 2017 was 40. So less, a little more or a little less than half of, of what I did last year. And I, I kind of, uh, <laughs> I, uh, got rid of movie pass, uh, pretty early in this, in this, in the, in the year, like in, when did I get rid of it? I got rid of it in like April, I think was my last one, my last movie pass one specifically because, um, <laughs> I'm not a punctual person. So like when I go see movies, like with a friend, I need to be there to order the tickets, like in, like in the, like in the theater. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I'm not punctual, like we can't get tickets until, until I have my movie, my movie pass app out. And like, it's just a lot easier to just go on to the, to the AMC app and be like, Hey, I'll take K9, you K, you take K10, let's do this. And then we have our tickets three days in advance. Um, so it's, that's one of the things I'm kind of grappling with, with, cause I want to go back to movie pass cause like nine ninety nine for a month is amazing. Dude, it's too cheap not to. It's right, right. It's too, and I resisted for a long time. I mm-hmm. didn't buy it at first. And you know, there are the horror stories about people not, it like, it didn't work for this. It didn't work for that. Yeah. They're raising the prices. They've changed the price thing mm-hmm. to whatever. I don't remember what $40 or whatever. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah, I don't that's dumb i don't want to be a part of it but <laughs> just like no whatever they do in the future i'll cancel mm-hmm. it, you know if but they like change right it, now it's too because right too now i i pay ten dollars for a movie and i see i see the rest of the month movies for free mm-hmm. and well this is probably illegal but whatever <laughs> cops don't listen to this nah. lawyers don't listen to this <laughs> i give it i give the card to amanda and my phone and oh, she yeah. has seen three movies with it Nice. And see, that's not. I I wouldn't besmirch you for that. Yeah, me either. Uh, Feckus may come down to Evansville and arrest you, but um, yeah, but yeah, um, yeah. Fuck the man. <laughs> that's it's, right. It's funny because like uh, by April, um, I had seen ten movies with Movie Pass, like before I canceled it, and so I saw ten movies with Movie Pass, and that's ten of my forty total theater viewings. And it's gotten to the point where I'm, I'm like going to the theater, like almost not necessarily once per week, but I mean, it's kind of close. Pretty close. Yeah. Um, so it's, I don't know if there's a way to get it to where I can, you know, get my shit together and show up on time. Um, but there's also like, like I would love the idea of like pre-ordering like, like Black Panther tickets. Like I like that kind of, uh, security of having the ticket. Right. Without having to be at the theater. Yeah. I'm with you. That's not really a thing in Evansville. Mm. Oh, yeah. That makes <laughs> that, sense. I mean, right. Star Wars, you can walk in to get a ticket. It's oh, not, God. that's just not a thing. That's hm. fair. Lucky enough. Yeah. <laughs> hey, can I, can I just really quick make an amendment? So I, sure. I have my doc open for movies watched for 2017 mm-hmm. and I did a quick, uh, uh, command F mm-hmm. search and I, because I wanted to find first-time movies. So let me first say, I was wrong, and my total theater viewings in 2017 is actually 52. Nice. So I averaged one a week, bitch. Very nice. <laughs> nice. Feel super good about that. Feel super nice. good about that. Um, that said, 
movies I watched for the first time, so not repeat viewings, 98 out of 135. Okay. Hmm. So that's that's just total movies watched. Like actual um, titles? No. So, okay. So I make a note of like... Um... Jeez, how do I say it? So it's like <laughs> movies, like I make a note that says this is the first time I've ever seen this movie. Okay. And that's 98. Okay, so 98 is your first viewings. Right. Gotcha. Yes. Okay, nice. Very yeah. nice. So I, I don't know. There's no quick control F to find out um, how many t- repeat viewings I had of a movie. Okay. I don't, that, yeah. I, I can't I don't know how to do that. Okay, sure. Um, so yeah, so in, in kind of going back to my stats, uh, my Blu-ray and DVD collection, I, of my 136 viewings, uh, 30 of them accounted for Blu-ray and DVD collections. So that's good. Yeah. Not, not bad. Um, and then just various streaming services. I, I watched a lot of Google play rentals cause I've been doing a lot of like digital <laughs> renting, uh, just because it's it's just it's so convenient, really, really convenient. Yeah, especially with like a Chromecast, I can just watch it and cast it to my TV, and it's it's just as good as anything else. Same here. And it's just it's just really convenient, and I mean it's fairly reasonably priced too, like three bucks a pop. Um, but yeah, so th- those are my stats. Not the best. Not you know. Um, we'll see what happens next year. But I mean, uh, this kind of just you know life, man. Right. Doing. Hard work. Um, <laughs> Adulting. Yeah. Uh, so should we go into our lists? Yes. Yeah, let's do yes. it. It's time. Okay. Um, we've, we've teased it long enough. We have. Now, at what point... Well, I'm sure it'll make your list, so so we'll we'll give you uh, your your chance to say your piece on The Last Jedi. Um, okay. When it, when it comes. So how do you guys want to do this? Do you just want to do 10, 10, 9, 9, 9, 9, 8, 8, 8? And start with our yeah. start with our honorable yeah. mentions. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh so Mike, do you want to get us kicked off with your honorable mentions? Sure. Um so I have three honorable mentions and then a note. I uh uh maybe a dishonorable mention. I don't know. I don't know what I want to call it. So here are my three honorable mentions. Number one is Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets. Uh unfortunately it's not a it's not a good movie. You can't I can't yeah. say watch this amazing movie. It, it, the, the leads I think were horribly miscast. I think the dialogue was just, just gross at times. Mm-hmm. Um, felt, I don't know, French. It felt adapted. It's just, it's just not great, but the world building, uh, and the visuals were, were stunning. I mean, it, like movie of the year quality in terms of what I need, uh, to see in a sci-fi movie, mm-hmm. just a new sci-fi world. Um, it reminded me of Jupiter Ascending, which is also a really terrible movie. Worse, worse than Valerian. Yeah. Um, you know, it's movies like this I wish were made more often. Um, so anyway, mm-hmm. uh, the second honorable mention is Mother, uh, Jennifer Lawrence, uh, and Darren Aronofsky's directed Mother, um, which just made me feel awful. Just such a bad, feeling of a movie. Um, but I will say that the, the third act is, has some of the highest tension in a movie I've ever felt in my entire life. Uh, and it's a movie, you know, I don't love it, so it's not on my list, but, but we, I, it's one of the movies I talked about the most this year, or, or at least for the longest after I saw it. 
Uh, my last honorable mention is War for the Planet of the Apes, which I think is just a great end to that trilogy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Woody Harrelson was great. Andy Serkis, again, we just say it every time, needs yeah. to be nominated for an Oscar. Um, but for me, it's just it's not a it's just not a top ten movie. It's it's really good, really entertaining, but I, I don't think for me it's not a whole lot more than more than popcorn. Um, and my note, which I guess is an honorable mention, I don't, I don't really know what to say about this, is Baby Driver. Okay. Um, and I just, I want to mention it because it's on so many end of the year lists. Mm-hmm. I, I want to say one or two, I want to say I saw one or two lists where it was like the movie of the year. Mm-hmm. And so I think that I'm like objectively, I'm wrong here, but I, <laughs> I just didn't connect with the movie. I didn't get it. Um, so like when I first, heard about it i didn't expect much from the movie i saw the trailer and i was like yeah ansel elgort he doesn't look cool enough to play that character but then when reviews came in called it one of the best action movie in years i think i got a little too excited mm-hmm. and so like the first act is awesome i mean that that it's like i i feel like the first act was filmed to a beat like every motion is just filmed to a beat um so I, you know, I found that so impressive, but then it, it got pretty standard, like heist, car chase, weird character choices. I thought Kevin Spacey's character was just odd. Um, I just, I feel like people loved the first half of it so much that kind of overlooked some of the really pretty rote, uh, stuff we've seen before in the second half of the movie. So I don't know if it's an honorable mention. It, it's definitely a movie I need to see again. And I, I'm kind of excited to see it again. Um, so yeah, that's, nice. that's my honorable mentions. Yeah. And as a quick note about baby driver, um, it, you know, I'll, I'll save that for my honorable mentions. Uh, okay. tiny, do you want to go with yours? Sure. Um, so obviously there's, we have to make the disclaimer every year that there's stuff that we just could not get out and see. Mm-hmm. So there are, I call them regrets, means the movies that I regret that I did not get to see. Uh, like Lady Bird and mm-hmm. uh, Phantom Thread hasn't even had a wide release yet. Right. The Post hasn't wide released yet. Um, I never got to see Blade Runner. Oh man. By all means, I should have seen that. Get Out, I should have seen that. Mm-hmm. Um, Mother, I should have seen that, but I didn't. Uh, Three Billboards, I wanted to see, but, so I didn't, I didn't get to see those. Those may have made my list, uh, based on what I see from them, but, uh, so that's, that's a bummer. I just wanted to start there. Um, I have quite a few honorable mentions. I'll just go really quickly through them. I briefly talked about, uh, The Lost City of Z. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that was a really, really cool story. It's a true story about a real guy. Um, and it's, it's kind of mythical. It's, it was really cool. I wish they had not cast Charlie Hunnam in it. I don't hate Charlie Hunnam. I think he's fine, but he seems to play the same guy every single time. And that was definitely true for the Lost City of Z as well. I would have liked a, a different, uh, a different lead in there. I just don't think it was, it just didn't play to his strengths in my book, but it was still a really cool movie. Spider-Man Homecoming, uh, really liked this movie. Kind of loved it. Um, I'm so happy to see, spider-man in uh the mcu now that's so satisfying um fantastic movie um if i had to rethink i might it could be in my top 10 i don't know it was a really great movie i love tom holland um the comedy was great and uh i think any movie with uh michael keaton is a good movie mm-hmm. i just love michael keaton um spider-man homecoming was great uh up next logan lucky which I talked about on the podcast as well. I really liked this movie. Um, it's 
I couldn't put it on my top 10 because it's basically just a redneck version of Ocean's Eleven. Mm. Um, it's a bit of a rehash for uh, Soderbergh in that respect. Mm. So I, I couldn't give it a whole ton of credit, but I still really liked it. It was funny and such a clever idea. Um, the documentary Icarus from Netflix, I talked also talked about on the podcast. Just an incredible story and just a great confluence of events to, to tell that story. Um, huge, huge implications in the world of sports were uncovered and because that guy decided to make a documentary. That's huge to me. I just, I think that's such a cool story and the way it all unfolded was, and uh, really directly, directly affected change for absolutely the Winter Olympics. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So cool. That's a cool documentary. Uh, Baby Driver, which, which, uh, Mike just talked about. I agree a hundred percent on all of that. It was, a Thank cool, you. Cool. Good. Cool, it's a cool movie, and it's it's a good idea. It's it's Edgar Wright, and he's amazing. Um, but it was it was missing something. I think what you said about the 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 second and third acts really waning down and and not not keeping up to pace with the first one is absolutely true. Um, the the characters were just a little out of place as well. But uh, such a cool idea for a movie, and and so creative. You know, it's it's a unique film, and so I I want to praise unique movies Mm -hmm. so baby drivers on my honorable mentions the disaster artist wasn't quite good enough for my top 10 um love james franco blew me away so funny um but i I feel like it just wasn't quite as funny as i thought it would be because the room is hysterical to watch it's amazing um and i feel like it wasn't it just wasn't quite as funny as i thought it would be but it's still a brilliant piece of filmmaking uh it's totally worth seeing um the babysitter i talked about briefly on the podcast so so can't be fun such a fun movie um but it is mick g he did direct that so again i can't praise it too much for that but uh it's just such a it was really a fun movie i had a great time with it i am all for you know tongue-in-cheek campy movies like that that actually work and someone actually knows what they're doing um they knew what they were doing with the babysitter it was really fun and then lastly, Valerian. Um, I agree 100% with everything Mike said. I can't even, like, exactly what you said. Although I think Cara Delphine was pretty, I thought she was pretty okay. I actually liked her, kind of. But Dan- I do too. And I think just, um, yeah, she was pretty good. Unfortunately, she played across Dane DeHaan, who I love. Yes. But just didn't work in the role. So I feel like yeah. she was, she was kind of pulled down by him. Yeah. He was playing Space James Bond. Dane yeah, DeHaan is weird. not Dane DeHaan is not James Bond. He's no. just not. Uh, <clears throat> no. Again, I love him too, but yeah, uh, yeah. beautiful movie though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are my honorable mentions. Sorry that's so long. Nice. I thought you'd, I thought you'd have more, Mike. <laughs> you have like three or four. You usually have a lot. Well, I I tried to keep it. I tried to keep it shorter than usual. I mean, gotcha. I I could go on. I I made a top ten horror movies. Oh wow! Uh, as well, which I I think might make it to honorable mentions. I. I don't know. Um, I did make my list before I saw the disaster artist and I will mm. say, um, the disaster artist is really just an honorable mention for me. It's not, it's not on my top 10. Interesting. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. I, um, I, <laughs> the way, the way Matt is saying interesting makes me feel like it's his number three or something. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> yeah. I know Matt loved it's, it. I thought it was, I thought it was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I saw, I watched the room the night before we went to see the disaster uh, artist. And I really hated it. I think it's a movie you need to see with friends. I, yeah. I've said on this podcast before, I don't like watching bad stuff to laugh right. at it. I, I don't get that 
I don't have that um, thing. Okay. So it was just like miserable to sit through. I was just, it was just so, I mean, it was as awful as everybody says Mm -hmm. it is. Uh, And then, so going into the disaster artist, I didn't have like that reverence for the original that you're supposed to have. Um, I think James Franco is weird and creepy. I don't understand the, the Hollywood love for James Franco. Um, He's good as Tommy Wiseau, but but like, what was the movie? Was it a comedy? Was it a drama? I think it it desperately wanted to be both, but I don't know if it was excellent at either. Um, yes, I was certainly entertained. I mean, I, I we laughed and 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 really enjoyed ourselves. But um, yeah, just just an honorable mention, and I don't even feel too bad that it's not on my honorable mention right now. Interesting. So- Sorry, man. No, 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 no. Don't apologize. Uh, I'll be talking about that later. All right. <laughs> um, so I, I actually have five uh, honorable mentions. And, okay, first of all, Baby Driver, I mean, it's kind of in the same camp as you guys, although the characterizations isn't what kind of hung me up on it. Like the the character, like the kind of rote aspects of the second and third acts, That that's not real, what really uh, – stood out to me because um, I actually like some of the character turns that happen because you kind of get you're led to believe that it's going to lead to to one certain big bad but then something else happens to kind of flip it on its ear and I, I appreciate the story for that for yeah. doing that and doing it effectively for for my for my taste but just some of the some not necessarily the romance between Ansel Elgort and uh, who played the who played the female lead um, I don't know her name. I don't know her name either. But um, I feel like that char- her character was a little too underdeveloped. It was more, I mean, granted, it's Baby Driver. Baby is the titular character. But I kind of feel like there wasn't enough. There wasn't I'll enough. Agree, to, 100%. Yeah, there, there wasn't 100%. Yeah. 100%. I did not believe her. that love story. Yeah. At all. Yeah, it there, was not good enough to be a motivator the way it was in the story. Right. There wasn't, right. There wasn't enough motivation for her to to go go with him or right. to or to go along with what what happens in the movie it just felt just a little too much like the plot necessitated it and as mm-hmm. stylish and cool as it as the movie was and as much as i enjoyed the movie um like i i've gone through a kick where like i'm i have a very small apartment so i'm not like buying up blu-rays and dvds and so i'm kind of amassing more of a digital collection on google play and so, like, I'll see, like, uh, like I have, like, a Google Play gift card I got for Christmas, and I saw, like, oh, Baby Driver's, like, 14 bucks. I could just buy a digital copy and keep it forever. And I'm just, like, I don't feel the urge to rewatch it. Like, I just, yeah. I, yeah. I, I just don't know. But, um, but for as, but for all, uh, despite all those things, it's still an honorable mention because I think that it's, um, it's pretty cool, stylish, and, uh, Edgar Wright did some really cool stuff with with uh, the direction and, and the choreography of the chase sequences were pretty cool. Um, and then my second honorable mention is actually Dunkirk, which uh, we I, I talked about in OV two twenty three. Um, Dunkirk is a magnificent movie. Like like I kind of came out of the theater kind of feeling like I kind of. Uh, thinking a lot about what I just seen and I, I needed to revisit it before I, I compiled my list. Cause I don't know, maybe pending a rewatch, I maybe would have put it on my actual top 10, but I mean, what Christopher Nolan did with, with that, I don't even want to say story. It just felt like vignettes about just, just kind of 
kind of a fly on the wall kind of thing um viewing the the event of the miracle of dunkirk and the kind of weird um uh what's the word i'm looking for nonlinear storytelling kind of mm-hmm. kind of was a little bit jarring to me that if i if i had followed it better in that theater viewing and and been more behind that uh maybe it would have made my top 10 but um but yeah it definitely gets an honorable mention for me and uh uh, next honorable mention is War for the Planet of the Apes, which uh, agree with what you said, Mike. It's it's just a great mm-hmm. end to that trilogy, but it kind of feels like like while it's a great end to Caesar's story and and that whole trilogy, it didn't have it didn't pack as much of a an emotional and even popcorn um, punch as Dawn of the Planet of the Apes did for me. So that's why it's just an honorable mention. I talked about it in OV two twenty three as well. And then um, Tiny brought up my next honorable mention in OV-227, and that's Wind River, which, I mean, that's a movie that probably should have made my top ten. Um, I, I love Jeremy Renner's performance, and uh, uh, Elizabeth Olsen is is really great as kind of a fish-out-of-water um, FBI agent in it. Um, but some of the stuff just... Like, some of the stuff just felt a little too... Um, no, it's weird to say this, but it just didn't feel like it had a, a strong enough narrative focus on the, on the crime. Um, which, I mean, I'm all for the message and everything. Like it, it kind of had a lot of strong statements to say about, uh, Native Americans and, 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 and women in Native American culture and everything. But it also just kind of felt like by the end of it, it just kind of felt like it wasn't pieced together as well as it could have been. I don't know if I'm making any sense there, but that's Wind River. That's my uh, fourth honorable mention. And then finally, my final honorable mention is a movie that I don't know if it really deserves to be on it, but uh, uh, we talked about it in OV201. It's Split. And I think the reason why I put that on honorable mentions is just because if only... Because I haven't revisited it since I saw it in like January, Um Actually, January 21st, 2017, in the theater. So I have no idea if it will hold up. But I'm putting it on my honorable mentions specifically because that theater experience was so interesting. Like, uh, it's been so long since I've been in the theater for an M. Night Shyamalan movie and had a moment where I was like, holy shit, that just happened. <laughs> like, and that's that's why it's my honorable mention because I, I just really appreciate what he did with that movie. Um and yeah, that's, those are my honorable mentions. Nice. Yeah. Whew. Um, yeah. So, uh, any comments on that or should we dive into our top tens? I'd say go dive into it. Okay. Nice. Let's do it. All right. Mike, how about your number 10? Yeah. My number 10. Um, <clears throat> and so, man, gosh, this was such a, this such a good year mm-hmm. for movies. I, you could really jumble these up in a few years and I'd be like, yeah, I'm okay with that. So, yeah. uh, by no means is number 10 my least favorite of the, fi- although I guess it is. I don't know. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> number 10 is, uh, Blade Runner 20, 2049. Um, nice. so it, it, it's the good version of the type of sci-fi movie that I need, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in reference to Valerian in the city of a thousand planets, it had all that world building. Uh, it had those special effects. Uh, also the score of that movie was just like haunting and, oh, yeah. and just thumped my chest so hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love thoughtful, challenging, progressive, hard sci-fi, uh, m- just about more than any other type of movie, save 
maybe for horror movies. Uh, and Blade Runner by far was the best of its kind this year. I am going to admit something. I have never seen the original. Oh, um, I don't feel like I need to. Uh, to 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 fully get that, I mean, I do want to see it, but mm. to fully understand what's going on in Blade Runner, uh, to to love it the way I did, but mm. um, I just thought it had so much to say about being human, um, and then really just visually stunning and and entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, an easy easy number ten for me, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Nice, and I'm very curious what it's funny because we just talked about how this is not feasible with our lives now but it would be very interesting to see what you think of the original blade runner and then rewatch blade runner 2049 and kind of reevaluate where you would put it on your list like you said you don't necessarily oh, really need, okay yeah it's not that you necessarily need to see the original blade runner but mm-hmm. i mean the original blade runner is a movie that i didn't rewatch like i watched in high school like when i was still kind of formulating my taste in movies and I just didn't get it. And then I rewatched it before I saw 2049 and like, it was like, I get it. Like, (laughs) I know why this is such a revered movie and especially for science fiction and, um, the visual effects of it. Uh, it's just, it's, it's really magnificent. So I would highly recommend checking out Blade Runner. Um, Right. The final cut. Yeah, I will for sure. In particular. Um, yeah, I'm not a huge fan of the, Originally, either I've watched it twice and I still don't get it. So I need to see it a third time and really like concentrate on it and try to absorb all the themes and everything. Mm-hmm. That's why I wasn't ex- especially keen on seeing the new one, Blade Runner twenty forty nine. So interesting. Yeah. Um. And yeah. Uh. I reviewed Blade Runner twenty forty nine with Fekus on OV two two five. Nice. So yeah. Um. Tiny, what about your number ten? My number 10 is a Netflix documentary called Get Me Roger Stone. Um, I, I wanted to have a documentary on here, and I didn't get to see very many, but this one would be on it regardless of my bias for documentaries. Um, it's This documentary really blew me away because it's about Roger Stone, who is a uh, like a like basically like a political consultant, and uh, he has been a political consultant for 30-plus years, starting with Nixon, I believe. Um but he's he is everything this guy is essentially everything wrong with politics <laughs> um he is completely self-centered he is not interested in the truth or uh you know what's right he's interested in winning um and he most famously as of as of late uh worked with Donald Trump in 2016 to to win that election um and it's he he is a a fascinating guy he is not likable he is he is an asshole <laughs> which some people like assholes but i i he is a terrible person and um but he's you have to give him credit because it works he, he knows how to win um and it was just really fascinating to sit there and watch this guy basically be like i don't care that you people think i'm a terrible person i've i've won elections and i've gotten so many senators and presidents elected to the highest offices in the world so i really don't care what you think and it's it kind of kind of like uh what mike said about mother like you kind of feel terrible because it's like this is horrible, but it's so fascinating to watch. Um, I, I was really kind of blown away by by how pervasive this guy has been in American politics over the last almost half century. Um, wow. It's 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 shocking. Um, it's interesting. It's entertaining, and it, it'll leave a bad taste in your mouth. But uh, <laughs> I recommend it. It's it's really fascinating. So 
Interesting. Yeah. Okay, and that's Get Me Roger Stone? Yes. Okay, nice. Mm. Cool. Um, yeah, my, my number 10 is Thor Ragnarok. So much has happened since I last saw you. I lost my hammer, like yesterday, so that's still pretty fresh. And then I went on a journey of self-discovery. Where I met you. Um, and it's just, this was maybe the most fun I had in the theater um, nice. this year. I mean, it is such a blast. And the fact that it's a Thor movie and that they can switch up the personality of that character and that world in the franchise, like in, I'm just talking about just general, like Thor, Thor, the dark world, and then Thor Ragnarok, that like that three movie franchise and do it so well is really remarkable. And I just, I just loved every second of it. Um, such a blast. I can't, I can't wait to see it again. Um, yeah. And I don't really have much else to say about it. Just Thor Ragnarok. It, it was just, it was just a very fun movie. And that's why it's my number 10. Nice. Yeah. And, uh, oh, also, uh, we reviewed it in OV226. Gotcha. And then, uh, Mike, what's your number nine? Right on. So my number nine is Thor Ragnarok. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I really, really disliked the first two Thor movies. Mm-hmm. I, I really thought those were, um, bad movies, not just like, you know, on the Marvel cinematic universe scale, but like in the movie scale, I, I would give those movies failing grades that I found them incredibly bothersome. Um, which is kind of disappointing because, you know, he's an original Avenger. Uh, I really love Marvel comics. And so I was, you know, I think he, uh, I think he deserves a little more Ragnarok changed all of that. Hopefully. Um, what I think I love most was that, uh, it was directed by Taika Waititi who, uh, is, you know, the New Zealand director. He did what we do in the shadows. Uh, and he has said in interviews that the, it's a comedy. The movie is a comedy of uh, featuring some Marvel characters that you know. Uh, and those have always been, I think I've talked many times on this podcast. Those have always been my favorite kind of superhero movies is like they are, they are one movie, one type of movie that just happened to feature your favorite characters. Mm. Um, you know, Captain America. Winter Soldier is a spy thriller, which has Captain America in it. Um, the Dark Knight is a crime drama with Batman in it. Mm-hmm. Thor Ragnarok is a comedy with Thor and Hulk in it. it I mean, it was, it's funny with, with smart, real grown up jokes in a way that I think a lot of people feel that Guardians of the Galaxy had, but actually didn't. Guardians of the Galaxy has very, I mean, I like Guardians of the Galaxy just yeah. fine, but very like pandering, uh, youth oriented, like n- nerdy jokes. Mm-hmm. Like if you're a geek, you'll like this because this is a geeky joke. Mm-hmm. Thor Ragnarok, Thor Ragnarok had like actual funny jokes mm-hmm. in it. Um, and so I just, it, you know, if anything, the action was great. It was, it was fun to watch. I love the overhaul of the character, but if anything, it's on this list, uh, because it was so damn funny. Uh, so number nine, Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, absolutely. And the funny thing is, is that you made the com- comparison to Guardians of the Galaxy, which, you know, I, I mean, I think we all love Guardians, like everyone loves Guardians of the Galaxy. Sure. But like, 
the brand of humor and the, and the type of film that Thor Ragnarok is kind of makes Guardians of the Galaxy, while entertaining, it kind of makes it look like it's more of a, uh, I don't want to diminish Guardians of the Galaxy or, or James Gunn or any of the work that they did there, but it kind of feels like that's like an algorithm movie that's like, this is like Marvel's like fun popcorn 100%. movie. 100%. Yes. Yeah. Whereas Thor Ragnarok is is a very much a specific brand of comedy. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's New Zealand. It yeah. felt oh, very yeah. New Zealand. Right. Genre. Absolutely. Yeah. Flight of the Concords ish. Mm-hmm. Yes. So it's kind of perfect because my number nine is Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> no way. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, I agree with you. I agree with what you guys have been saying. And and for me, the one hundred percent of why I loved it was the comedy. I think that was such a great idea. Um, yeah. because like, like you kind of said, Mike, I think, I think the first two Thor movies are not good. Um, no. they are on the bottom of the spectrum of, of how I rank the films in the Marvel cinematic universe. And, uh, and that's really a shame because Thor obviously is a great character and he has been, he has evolved so much. Um, he's evolved so much outside his standalone movies that I feel like, with this third one, they had to do something entirely different or they would have lost all that momentum they've built with that character. You know, mm-hmm. he's before when we first met his character in the first Thor film, he didn't have any interaction with humans or any of the Avengers. He didn't have any Tony Stark. And I feel like he has adopted a lot of very human uh, personality traits. Uh, he's yeah. most notably, he jokes around a lot now and he's yep. become very humble, which is such a great character trait for someone who is as powerful as Thor is. Um, it works for him in a way that like, I don't know that I want a Captain America comedy, right? I don't, I don't want that. And it's like, it's almost like Taika Waititi and, and, um, you know, Kevin Feige probably were like, you know, we need to, I think they know that Thor was at the bottom of the ladder and, mm-hmm. and I think they just said, let's, let's remake him. Most evidently, you know, in giving him a haircut. They're like, yes. this is a new character. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and in the movie, some of the greatest stuff is not Thor. You know, it's, it's, uh, the juxtaposition of him with Hulk is, funny but also kind of heartwarming and mm-hmm. you know the the things they share is are, are kind of nice to see on screen honestly that some candid moments between the two of them um but right. you know uh taika waititi's character i don't what's his name Br- uh, brug or something brug. some some kind of monosyllabic name like that yeah. um he he damn near stole the freaking movie it's so <laughs> yeah, funny for sure. hysterical mm-hmm. and so like all those things combined together with the way they've evolved the character the the plot was almost uh insignificant uh not to take any, anything away from Kate Blanchett I thought she was a great villain um and she looks incredible for a 50-year-old woman just throwing that out there yeah um but yeah it was such an enjoy- <clears throat> such an enjoyable movie and totally accepting the trajectory of the character of Thor and embracing it and making it fun was just such a perfect combination it made it a great movie yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Nice. That's my number nine. All right, sweet. So, so my number nine is actually a movie that we've talked a lot about in the last couple of weeks. Um, uh, we reviewed it in episode two twenty nine and two thirty. It is Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Nice. Yes. So this is, you know, it's funny because this movie is so divisive with with 
you guys, the the fans of the of the series. Mm-hmm. Um, but <clears throat> in reviewing it with you, Tiny, a couple weeks ago, and then kind of talking about it to uh, uh, Robert and Peter Feckus last week or in the last episode, um, I just my my affection for it has just grown so much. Like I really really enjoyed this movie and like the bigger like faults of it that people are kind of lampooning it for. I don't know if lampooning is, is, uh, is the right word, but that are kind of calling to attention to it. Like either they don't bother me or they just simply, um, I, I, I simply don't think that they're as in, they're an issue at all. Even, um, visually it's, it's a beautiful star Wars movie. It's, it's phenomenal. And the action, like it's as untraditional as it is to the star Wars canon, the action is really good. Um, like the, the kind of, uh, the lightsaber fights in it are really spectacular in that they kind of go against the grain of what's, what happens in every Star Wars movie. And more important than anything is just the way that it opens up this whole universe to so much more can be done with it now by the events of The Last Jedi. And that's something that I really, really, admire disney for admire ryan johnson for just because one of my biggest issues is that star wars has always seemed like just a closed off universe that didn't that wasn't as huge as as and expansive as as you know the entire like extended universe would have would would uh have you think like in terms of the actual canon movies it was as it was closed off um but now it seems like there's there's a lot that can be done now, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens next. And that's my number nine, and that's Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Awesome. Yeah. And let's see, Mike, do you want to do your number eight? Yeah. yeah. So um, I will talk about The Last Jedi, but not mm-hmm. right now. Nice. Um, uh, my number eight then is Lady Bird, oh, which nice. uh, just two nights ago won uh, the Golden Globe for Best Drama. Mm-hmm. Uh, motion picture and uh it's so deserving of that i i'm so excited uh to see lady bird and uh three billboards go head to head at the oscars mm-hmm. um i'm 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 nervous uh you know i'm i'm they're tearing me apart <laughs> uh trying to figure out that's that was embarrassing uh <laughs> you know, what I'm going to root for. So anyway, it, it's great. I love to see Greta Gerwig get her, mm-hmm. um, get her time in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was awesome. It's a movie. It's a movie that I found. Um, so like it's in a, it's in a category I like to call like movies that are not made for me. Mm-hmm. Right. Like weird young teenage girls, uh, you know, fighting with their mom and, and experiencing first love. Like that's not made for me. Um, and I just feel like, you know, if I was in high school, I wouldn't, I wouldn't watch that movie. Mm-hmm. And so I just, I guess I just, you know, I'm congratulating myself for being a mature adult. <laughs> recognizing <laughs> a good movie. I don't know. I, that sounds so <laughs> stupid. Um, but oh my gosh, it's just so good. I, I love the dark comedy. It's, it's painfully real at times. Um, sometimes it's uplifting, uh, just a nice, uh, slice of life, slice of life 
kind of movie. So eight, number eight, Lady Bird. Nice, and that's a movie that I I'm so mad that I haven't I, I haven't gotten a chance to see because it's me too the type of movie that I'm sure I would probably put on a list somewhere. But yeah, same yeah, here. It's it's, it's really great. Yeah, that and Three Billboards I, I didn't get a chance to see, and there's yeah. some other ones. Oh, you didn't. I okay. didn't, and I'm so I'm also going to be talking about that movie okay. right. much later. Yeah, I'm I'm disappointed, yeah. but. We'll yeah, see. I've been a fan of Greta Gerwig for a while. I'm mm-hmm. glad to see her in the spotlight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's great. And, uh, yeah, so Tiny, how about your number eight? Uh, my number eight, second comic book movie in a row, Logan. Logan, what did you do? Charles, the world is not the same as it was. Mutants. They're gone now. Uh,. Just a phenomenal conclusion to that iteration of that character. Phenomenal con- conclusion. Um, if you try to think of, try to think of another character that's been played by the same actor nine times. Nine. James times. Bond, maybe Roger Moore, James Bond. Yeah. And I can't think of anyone else. No one else who's even close to nine times. That's just incredible. Um, and so it's, you can safely say that Hugh Jackman as Logan, as Wolverine is an absolute icon of the screen. Mm-hmm. And he has been just a magnificent portrayal of that character. And to give him such a great conclusion was deserved. And I'm glad they took their time with it and, Everyone was so on board, and you know they had uh, uh, Professor Professor Xavier there with them, and everything. That that was just it was just such a great such a great way to to conclude that character. Um, very heartwarming, and um, it's you know it's it's dark, but it's it's the end. The end is usually pretty dark, and so there's also some some bright comedy in there, and there's some fun stuff, and I think it, it does end on a note of hope, so um, I just really love the movie. I'm I'm sad to see, uh, I'm sad to see Hugh Jackman go. I love Hugh Jackman, not just as Wolverine, but in general he's a fantastic person and a great actor. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sad to see him go, but I'm glad that he can recognize that it's time, and and it is time, and and to go off go off screen gracefully is is just about all you can ask for. And I think Logan they did a great job with it. Yeah, absolutely. So, go ahead. I'm I'm looking it up because I'm interested. Mm-hmm. Um, who people who have played the same character multiple times, and yeah. I, I think it is Hugh Jackman. Okay. Well, I I've so. got. I think, yeah, I've I've got one. In the hopper here, uh, Rowan Atkinson, Mr. Bean. <laughs> oh, f- Jesus. I mean, <laughs> yeah, classic. Okay, yeah, but that works. but no, like as an action but... star though, right? Like you can't, yeah. you know. Didn't the first X Men come out in like 1999? I think it was 2000. 2000. Uh, I mean, was it not? Yeah. Yeah. So 17 years. Yeah. Playing that it's, character, it's insane. And I said this when we reviewed it in OV 206 and and talked about it in OV 212. Um. Like Hugh Jackman has played, he he has been Wolverine for over half of our lives. Yeah, like that's just oh my god, right? yeah, he has. It's, yeah, that's true. It's insane, and uh, that also that that's a really good um, transition because my number eight is Logan. Nice. Um, All right on. Yeah, um, and for everything Tiny said, I, I loved this movie, and it's such a 
it's such a and one of the things that I kind of lament the uh sale of Fox to Disney for is that the X-Men franchise as kind of dispir- or uh, disconnected as it is um in in kind of ebbs and flows and and uh the the quality isn't isn't quite as great it's not a it's not like the Marvel Cinematic Universe where everything is has the same kind of tone or follows that same kind of uh blueprint or anything but the thing about the X-Men franchise is that they have they've done some really unique things like I really loved Days of Future Past that bridged the two timelines and I loved uh, what they did with Logan, and I'm very excited about the New Mutants. But with Logan, what I loved about it, and granted, I think that the villain is, I mean, anymore, any superhero movie villain is going to be kind of lackluster. I think that's just the world we're in these days. But what makes up for it is the fact that we have this um, tired and and uh, kind of... Um, Defeated. Defeated. Yeah. De- defeated. Uh, Logan and Wolverine and, and Ex- Professor Xavier. Like they're just really beaten down. And the idea of Xavier being the most powerful mind in the world, but suffering from, from, uh, uh, basically dementia is like, mm-hmm. it's freaking heartbreaking. And it's just, it brings so much, uh, it brings so much, uh, poignancy to, to the story and everything. Like, there are moments in this movie that I just legitimately teared up at. And I just recently rewatched it. And like, there's, there's elements of the backstory that's kind of developed, like, uh, disclosed to us throughout the movie. Like, about like, where, where are the other X-Men? Like, what's, what happened in the past? Like, what, what happened to everyone? And like, you just get snippets of it. Like, like, you, there's a scene where they overhear something on the radio that alludes to what happened. And like, you get, like, that's your backstory to what happened. And you get the weight of like, what, Logan and Xavier are carrying with them throughout this entire journey. And it's just like subtle things like that, that kind of paint the, the story and, and the, uh, the motivations of all the characters is just really phenomenal. And I just, I loved it. Um, this is a movie that I actually bought on Google play and it was a two pack with, uh, a digital, it was a digital copy of Logan and then Logan Noir, which I haven't watched yet. It's the black and white version of it, which I'm very curious to see how that, how it looks when it's when it's in black and white. But That's cool. Yeah. So uh, Logan's my number eight, and man, it's it's great. I loved it. So let me say, um, I I messed up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like the way you guys are describing Logan, I was like, oh my god. That's such a fucking good movie. <laughs> and it's not on my, I, spoiler alert, it's not on my list. It's oh, not on really? My list. And it, yeah. And it wasn't in my, um, now I will say I saw a lot of great movies. So like, yeah. I don't feel bad about my list. And I'm looking like, as you were talking, I was like, would I change anything else out? And I wouldn't. Um, but it's, it's maybe number 10, definitely an honorable mention. Mm-hmm. And I think, so I only saw Logan once. I saw it in mm-hmm. theaters. And, it was all of those things you said it was going to be. Um, except that I think for me, it wasn't enough. Like I, I sure. almost like, I almost want to see Laura move on. It, it just felt there's something about the ending that felt like it didn't quite end enough. And so I think sure. like after the movie was over, I was just like, yeah, man, so much was, was good. But like the last note was just not, it, it just didn't land. Um, the way I think the rest of the movie did. So I don't know. I guess just looking back at that movie, 
my my lasting feeling was not overwhelmingly positive but you know hearing you guys talk about it i was i think i was wrong well it's funny because i hadn't watched it since the theater either until i bought it on on google play and like in the interim between buying it on google play and watching it before this episode i was i was actually a guest on our friends pat and tyler's podcast the nerd you're looking for in which i actually did my top 10 list a, a version of it before i kind of settled on the exact order and like uh-huh. at the time before i i had rewatched it i uh i have like cat hair on my nose but anyway um before i'd rewatched it i um had it at number 10 and then rewatching, I was like, this, this has to be a little bit higher. Cause it's, it's a movie that you really, uh, it needs to be, it needs to be revisited. Having said that, the, I get what you're saying, Mike, about the, about the end, um, and, and the, the end of the character. But mm-hmm. I mean, if you remember the, like the final shot of the movie, like that just hit me so hard. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, that's my number eight. Cool. All right. And Good. Mike, how about your number seven? Yeah, so moving on to our number sevens. Uh, the number seven is Kumail Gianni's The Big Sick. Nice. Uh, uh, man, I love this movie so much. Amanda and I, we saw this in theaters. This was one of the few date movies we saw this year. Uh, and I've been a fan of Kumail for a couple years now. Um, I listened to his podcast, him and Emily, uh, his wife, played by Zoe Kazan in the movie. Kumail plays himself. It's a love story about himself. If you haven't seen the movie, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I listened to their podcast, The Indoor Kids. It's a video game podcast, uh, which they actually did a last episode a couple years ago. They, they, so they don't, he's just too famous now. Um, so I've known them for a little while and I've always loved the two of them. And so like, a, a, you know, a comedy done by him about the two of them. I, I just, I was pretty excited uh about it um i've seen zoe kazan in a couple of movies and i'm not crazy about her um but i think she i think she nails it as mm. um as emily that said she's also not in it for most of the movie uh right. the big sick obviously she gets sick and it's and it's about kumail um you know f- getting to know her parents and mm. and his life during that time and um, obviously they end up together. It's a true story. They're married today. Mm-hmm. Um, so, oh gosh, it was just the, you know, the scenes where he is talking to her parents, any of those oh, scenes, yeah. especially Ray Romano, mm-hmm. uh, some of the best character work of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, so good. Kumail's so funny. Um, he's a, he's a TV guy and a, com- he's a comedian firsthand. And he's also a TV guy. So to see him make the jump into like a starring role in a movie, mm-hmm. Uh, is awesome. I'm, I I I can't wait to see what else he does. Uh, I love Kumail, and I love the movie number seven, Big Sick. Absolutely, and I'm going to talk about it later. But uh, it's also worth mentioning that uh, he actually wrote it with with Emily V. Gordon, like his wife. Right. They yes, co-wrote right. it together, and uh, and yeah. Oh God, I'll I'll talk about it in a bit. But man, such a good movie. I'll be talking about it too. Nice, nice. Yeah. Uh, Tiny, what's your number seven? My number seven, third and final comic book movie, nice. <laughs> uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. Mm-hmm. Um, I think initially people came into this and they watched it and they're like, oh, it's so cute. It's so funny. It's adorable. It's fun. It's nice. And then I feel like people backed off a little bit and were like, well, was it really that great of a movie? I think it is. I really think it is, it is that great of a movie. And for me, what makes this so fantastic is – it's place in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and 
its place in the Guardians franchise. And what I mean by its place in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is that it's practically not in there because they don't talk about Thanos and they're not into all that crap. They're not talking about what's going on back on Earth Mm -hmm. with the Avengers and all that stuff. What's amazing is that they had this hugely successful first movie that came completely out of left field and they take the entire sequel to develop their characters. That, man, that just, I love it when when someone can successfully do that. And I think James Gunn absolutely hit it out of the park. This whole movie, you know, in a roundabout way, they end up saving the universe. <laughs> but um, it's, the, the, the crux of the story is about the genesis of, um, Star Lord mm-hmm. and and who he is as a person and where he comes from and and why he's so important and to to move that all in with all the rest of the characters and and God just everything that happened in this movie I just I loved it I I can't believe that they with the again with the success of the MCU it would seem like they would be posturing this franchise to move move in and team up with all with everybody else mm-hmm. and and they didn't they were like no let's work on these characters even more because people like these characters um and i think some of the baby groot stuff was absolutely just pan- pandering i think it was because <laughs> yes that's the humor i'm talking about that i that mm-hmm. i find underwhelming yes or at least yeah. uh over what's the word over mm. something over exaggerated yeah, yes I think, over yeah. Overrated. Oh my God. Why did I forget that word? (laughs) And I think pandering is a perfect word for that. Yeah. And I mean, full disclosure, it's not on my list anywhere, but like the Baby Groot stuff, like it worked on, like it was pandering in the, and it was definitely pandering to its audience and it totally threw me in. Like I was all for it. But yeah, go ahead. It's not that it didn't work on me. It's just that I was like, oh, that's cute. Let's, let's move on to the next thing. And it's like they kept coming back to him and it's Mm -hmm. like, he, all they can say is I am Groot. And it's like, how many times can you have a little baby version of that? And I, I feel like Groot was used to better, to, to more integral effect in the first film. Mm-hmm. Um, in, in the second movie, it just felt like a lot of pandering and a lot of like, yeah. let's throw in this cute baby tree. <laughs> um, uh, I didn't have a big problem with it or anything, but, um, that's one of the issues I think of, of the movie or something that I you can, think you can kind of criticize a little bit, but, uh, sure. man, I, and, I have grown to be a magnificent fan of uh, Kurt Russell. Oh yeah, I don't know. Like I, I wasn't a huge fan of his back in the day when he was a big leading man and he had kind of his cheesy '80s and '90s starring movies, you know, action movies. Th- those those movies are good and stuff. I'm not, I don't hate them, but I didn't think of him as like a really great actor or like a really, really perfect for certain things. But yeah. I swear, every time I see like in Bone Tomahawk, yeah perfect for that role and in this movie just so much fun i loved him in the hateful eight mm-hmm. um yeah he's he's just a he's a really great actor to watch i think now so i i loved him in this uh, i think he was great casting for that role um just just a fun movie all around and and i love the the boldness of uh james gunn to just like this is what i'm gonna do with this movie and i'm gonna i'm just gonna focus on these characters Let's forget about all this Marvel background noise, and I'm not going to necessarily stick to their format. I'm just going to focus on my characters, and that was, I think, a fantastic decision. Oh, absolutely. Yep, so that's my number seven. Nice. Yeah, I I agree with a lot of what you said. It's not on my list, um, 
Maybe it should have been. You're right. I should have worked more on my honorable mention. Um, but yeah, I agree with a lot of that. I think, I think the reason for me that it's not on the list is the, is the pandering really turned me off. So I, I look back and I think about just, just all the geeks laughing at the trailers the way they laughed that were not like, not that funny. Yeah. I, I think I remember even leaving the movie and going, you know, this might have been better than the first one just in terms of. Um, you know, expanding the world and work in the, in the character work that they do. I, I agree with you there. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, j- I don't know. Just didn't, not as good as Thor. For yeah. me. That's fair. Yeah. I, I, oh, yeah. it's, it, it was kind of a heartstrings pick, I guess, for me, as opposed to like a, this is objectively a fantastic stand by itself mm-hmm. movie. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. And I, I can't really give a defense of why it's not on my list anywhere or honorable mentions, but, yeah. um, cause I was, well, yes, some of the humor was, was a little pandering and everything. Um, the thing that I connected to the most was the, the character work and, and the, uh, let's, we won't go into spoilers, but the, the kind of big thing at the end that the, the yeah. big emotional hook at the end was like, really really uh good like i wasn't expecting to feel in a in a marvel movie like that yeah but i did um and the soundtrack oh gotta, yeah gotta oh, say yeah. that i was on a 70s kick for like two months after <laughs> nice. that movie awesome nice matt what um, is your number seven yeah so my number seven is a movie we talked about in ov206 it is get out nice. uh jordan peele's uh directorial debut is it directorial or directorial directorial Directorial. Directorial. okay Okay, his directorial debut, uh, Get Out. Um, this is a movie that there were certain movies that I wanted to rewatch before I made my list because they came out so early in the year. Logan was one and Get Out was definitely another. Um, I hadn't seen it since the theater and then I rewatched it recently. Um, again, I bought it on Google Play. Um, I rewatched it and man, the, the nuance that's in in this movie like it's it's a horror movie like it's it's a very effective thriller and unsettling like kind of horror movie uh that just has like a like a what the fuck is going on feel to it but it's got like really good comedy aspects and comedy beats like um <laughs> like tw- 2017 between get out and um uh oh, what was his name in Spider-Man Homecoming Peter's friend um Oh, I can't remember his name. But anyway, uh, between Get Out and Spider-Man Homecoming, 2017 had some really good, like, like, side characters, like best friend characters that, that were kind of, uh, uh, supporting characters in, in their movies. But. And Thor. Like, oh, yeah, and Thor, yeah. Yeah, good point. And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's really great. And the, um, of course, like, Get Out can be, uh, lauded praise upon, has been lauded praise upon because of its, its, um, uh, social commentary and, 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 uh, about race and, and everything. And it's like, it's on point. Like it is, it's one of those movies that has a very strong message, but it doesn't, it doesn't come across as it's, it's not, it's not even a message. It's just, it's just commentary about the way the world still is, even though we don't, we don't necessarily think of it as, as being like, I think Jordan Peele said that, um, he made this movie for, People that thought when Obama was elected that racism was dead. Right. And it's like. It, right, exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's such, uh, such an incredible movie that has so many, so many different things going for it. And the story is phenomenal as well. So that's Get Out. That's my number seven. And, uh, yeah, I love it. I can't wait to see what Jordan Peele does next. I really can't. That was one of my regrets. Wish I had seen it. <laughs> 
Oh, you never saw it? Yeah. Oh, man. Oh, man. I oh, know. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, so, Mike, how about your number six? <laughs> yeah, my number six is Spider-Man Homecoming. Nice. Is Liz the new top? No, you've seen that before. Never with that skirt. She probably stops staring before it gets creepy, though. Too late. You guys are losers. So, to become an Avenger, are there, like, trials or an interview? Just don't do anything I would do. And definitely don't do anything I wouldn't do. There's a little gray area in there, and that's where you operate. Um, and uh, so I'm kind of just going to read from my blurb here because I disagree mm. with a lot of it. So people love to call Spider-Man Homecoming the best Spider-Man movie yet. You know, mm-hmm. that you saw that on a lot of um, one-liners or whatever. It's not. It's not. That's still Spider-Man 2 <laughs> uh, from 04. Uh, but Homecoming is by far the most fun. So, like... Um, I love Tom Holland's introduction in Civil War. It had me excited. You know, being Spider-Man is so freaking cool. And he definitely portrays that, like the fun of Spider-Man. Uh, it, you know, it's the first time where I loved both him as Peter Parker and him as Spider-Man. Uh, uh, so, you know, I don't know if it was the most complete movie of all the Spider-Man movies. I don't even know if it was as good as the first Spider-Man movies, but in terms of um, the character, uh, both Peter Parker and Spider-Man, Tom Holland just nailed it. Just by far the best uh, Spider-Man. It's how, you know, when I read Spider-Man now, I read him a little bit older than that. In fact, I mm. I, <laughs> I read him kind of like I imagine Tobey Maguire reads the lines. Um but he he's definitely a younger Spider-Man for uh, for a younger generation and a younger audience. So um, it was so good. You know, everything you said, Tiny, in your honorable new, uh, honorable mention about it, it uh, I agree with. Um, I thought Michael Keaton as the Vulture might be Marvel's best screen villain. Um, he's so good. He's 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 real. Uh, one of the scenes I love the best, and I, sorry if this is a spoiler, but people have seen this. Everybody saw the movie. Yeah. Um, he like figures out that Peter Parker is Spider Man like right away. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like not even. <laughs> um, you know they don't play with that that ridiculousness sometimes mm-hmm. uh, that they do in other movies sometimes, and he just finds out right away. So I don't know. Um, I think I think the end of it kind of left me wanting. It it didn't feel huge, um, and I think purposefully so. It was about your friendly neighborhood Spider Man. The movie was much smaller really than any other Spider-Man movie and any other Marvel comics movie homecoming. I think both because of the dance uh, Mm -hmm. because he's coming back to Marvel and also because it takes place in this small in Peter Parker's uh, world, Peter Parker's life, not, not, you know, he wasn't saving all of New York at all. He was Mm -hmm. just dealing with this, um, this one villain in this one scenario. And I really love that about it. However, being so used to other movies at the end with these big climaxes and you just, um, you feel like something huge happened at the end that doesn't really happen at the end of, of homecoming. So, um, you know, it, um, not to try to poo poo on my sixth favorite movie of the year, but, uh, I think, I think the end could have been, could have been bigger, but the rest of it, oh my gosh, was just so much fun. Uh, it was one of the few movies I saw twice in theaters. Saw it with my brother. We had a blast. 
uh, number six, Spider-Man Homecoming. Nice. And uh, Tiny, do you mind if I leap over you? Because I have number sixes. Please. Spider-Man Homecoming also. Sure, go ahead. Um, yeah, so my number six is also Spider-Man Homecoming. And, you know, it's funny, Mike, to, to your... Uh, to your comments on it, um, I, I'm one of the people that say that this is, I wouldn't say it's the best Spider-Man movie or anything, but it is definitely my favorite of all the Spider-Man movies that have come out, including okay. Spider-Man 2. Um, yeah. And I think that, and that's an interesting kind of discussion in its, in and of itself, because I think that the reason why I like it more than Spider-Man 2, or the reason why I, I don't, uh, I don't love Spider-Man 2 the way that I used to is that I'm so indoctrinated into this new era or this, this last decades era of, uh, superhero movies that when I go back to watch Spider-Man 2, some parts of it seem like kind of dated and cheesy and, and a little, a little like I, I feel a disconnect to it because I'm so entrenched in this current crop of, of superhero movies. So I think that that's kind of part of it and that's kind of an interesting kind of thought exercise to, to go through but um yeah no i think i think that that's fair and i think uh unfortunately my bias is just that um you know that movie came out in 04 mm-hmm. and uh you know it was the first really the first movie i know too was like i got to see spider-man who has yeah. always been my favorite character uh, on the big screen and it, it just felt closest to the Spider-Man I was aware of, right? Oh, it felt yeah. closest to the comics and, and homecoming really doesn't. I know that it's loosely based on the ultimate comics line. Mm-hmm. Um, it's way more fun and I get it. And it's, and it's much more modern than the others. Mm-hmm. They, you're right. They don't, they haven't aged well, but they still yeah. feel like, uh, you know, a, a snapshot of a, of a place in time, mm-hmm. uh, which I think the comics did, or at least when I started getting into the comics. Yeah, and see, that's another thing is I don't I don't have the comics to to kind of judge it against. I'm I'm just going off of strictly movie movie iterations of it. So uh, I think there's something to be said about that as well. Um, I still like Spider Man too. Just Spider Man Homecoming, just for all the reasons you stated, was fantastic. Um, I didn't have, um. I can see what you mean about the ending and, and it not having a big impact or anything. Um, uh, cause I mean, kind of by the end, I'm kind of, I've seen it a couple times now and by the ending, I'm kind of like, okay, well let's kind of run out the clock a little bit. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. but the thing that I admire about it is how it's the, this is the third, this is the third reboot of Spider-Man in, in no uncertain terms, but, um, in, in this version, He's like, he is genuinely like a kid in high school. And I love the awkward high school humor that's infused throughout the whole movie. Like it's, it's perfect. Um, but not only that, but we get such a wide variety of different types of web slinging and, and, uh, in different kind of environments. Like, like he's in freaking Washington DC, which I mean, it's kind of weird. Like, you know, the one class that goes to Washington DC and Peter Parker's not there, but Spider-Man's there. It's, it's kind of like you can kind of poke poke holes at poke holes at it and everything but oh for sure yeah, yeah. but the fact that he like is in washington dc there's a whole there's a whole sequence where he's web slinging through the suburbs like that's just that's i think that that was just as someone who doesn't read the comics or anything that's was just kind of uh uh rejuvenated my interest in it because like mike you know this as well as anybody like i would spend hours and hours and hours just just playing like free roam 
Spider-Man to the video game, just oh, yeah. web slinging throughout New York. And it's like, that's such a, like, that's so intrinsically Spider-Man is web slinging through New York City that to put him out of his element like that is something that I, I really was, uh, latched onto with this movie. Um, but yeah, Tom Holland was great and I love Michael Keaton. Um, like you said, when he kind of re- like realizes, uh, that scene in the car is incredible. Like one of my favorite scenes of, of maybe the whole Marvel MCU, really. Yes. Um, yeah. Really refreshing scene. I agree. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And well, yeah, while it wasn't on my top 10, it is my number 11. Nice. Um, I mentioned it in my honorable mentions and it, I think honestly it's to the point where it could be interchanged with get me Roger Stone for my number 10. Nice. I okay. really cool. loved it too. Yeah. Nice. So what's your number six then? Uh, my number six is the big sick. Nice. Um, uh, Mike had a great summation of the movie and, and his feelings on it. And I, I agree with, with what he said. Uh, I think, um, what will get lost in the shuffle with this movie is Kumail Nanjiani's, uh, performance. Mm-hmm. And I think it's easy yeah. for people to say he's playing himself. Of course he was good. But I, I think it's more than that. Cause the, the guy, I think it's one thing to play yourself and another thing to relive some of the darkest moments of your life. Yeah. You know, I, I don't want to go into spoilers, but there's, some really heavy family drama that happens in this film. And I don't know if that drama has been resolved or not in his actual life. And he has to sit there and relive that. And that stuff is hard, really hard stuff. And the fact that he maintains his composure and was emotionally capable of handling those, handling going through those scenes as as a person, I think is really impressive. And I was, I, you know, I'd, I'd seen him as an actor on, uh, uh, Silicon Valley, and I love him in that. He's hilarious, and I, I love his comedy. He's so great, but I hadn't, I feel like I hadn't really seen him do a meaty acting job yet, and this was that. It was yes. really meaty and deep, and he absolutely nailed it. I, I don't know if he deserves an Oscar nomination, but I'd be fine if he got one. Um, I, I don't see that happening, but I, I loved his performance. He was so great. Um, and, I will disagree with you, Mike, that I actually love Zoe Kazan. I've seen her in quite a few things. I think she's just charming as hell. She's, uh, I think she's a great actress and she's super cute too, but, uh, she, uh, yeah, I get it. I, she's definitely, you know, that manic pixie girl. Yep. Yeah. She's the type of thing that people love for some, it just doesn't do it for me, I guess. Yeah. She's got a bit of a typecast there, but I think she has the ability to branch out from that. Um, I, I liked her a lot. Um, and Ray Romano was just terrific. I, he was so funny, um, as kind of the guy who thinks he's really funny, but he's not kind of thing. I, I don't know. I kind of a sad sack. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I really dug Ray Romano. Um, and it's just such an incredible story. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that it's, it's a case of truth being stranger than fiction. And, and that's, those are the kind of stories we need, we need to be made into great movies like this mm-hmm. because for sure, you know, we don't need another transformers movie. We need more stuff like this. Right. So it was, it was just so heartwarming and wonderful. Uh, there's a nine 11 joke in the movie. So I had to pause the movie and rewind it cause I was laughing so hard. Same here. I was cry laughing <laughs> at that. It was so funny. Yeah. So if you're, if you haven't seen the movie yet and you go watch it, look forward to that nine 11 joke. It's hysterical. <laughs> It's so funny. <laughs> look forward to that 9-11 Yes, joke. look forward to it. I, I say yeah. that with complete confidence. <laughs> yeah, so that's my number six, the big sick. Awesome. Nice. Uh, I'll agree with you there. I, I'm i going to bring it up later. All right. Uh, Mike, how about your number five? 
Okay, in the top five, this is exciting. This is the good stuff. Oh, yeah. yes. Uh, it was all, it's all good stuff. Uh, so number five for me is uh, Disney and Pixar's Coco. Matt's crying. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> are you? Are, is, okay. I was like, did the did the audio just cut out, or is Matt just like silenced? No. By that? I okay. Was, I was gonna say something, but go ahead, because my dudes, skip. Coco was so good. Was so good. And I've said multiple times on this podcast, I'm really not a fan of anim- animated movies. I've had a lot of trouble in the past getting into them. I like the I like the your standards. I love Toy Story. I love Aladdin. I love Lion King. But uh, you know, even the best Pixar movies, the must see, I see them and I'm like, yeah, it's good. It's mm-hmm. a good movie. I get it. It's fine. Um, you know, Inside Out was really good, but it's like I haven't watched it again. I don't have a desire to watch it again. We saw Coco, and it just hit. I, I, you know, I'm in the center of so many circles on that Venn diagram. Uh, of Coco. You know, it was a movie about family. It was a movie about um, music. It was a movie about Mexican guitar music, which I love. It was a movie about death. It was a movie about uh, Dia de los Muertos, you know, Halloween. Um, and so all of those things together in one movie, it was like a perfect storm uh, of a movie for me. And I didn't eat like for the first time, I didn't even care. Like it wasn't even an animated movie. I mean, of course it's an animated movie, whatever, but like that, that didn't matter to me. I, 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 I get what people mean when they say, well, the movie is so good. You just look past the fact that it's animated. Uh, and I, and I was finally able to, it was, I, I'm like shocked by how good it was. So kind of funny. Um, there was some weird scheduling stuff with the last Jedi when yeah. that came out. I'm um, curious how, what happened there? Cause I know yeah. it's, it's kind of complicated. So like I, I kind of didn't want to deal with crowds. They've, they've revent, they've uh, renovated their theater. So it's all recliners. Yeah. And so instead of 300 seats, there's like 90 seats to a screen. Mm-hmm. And so I was a little concerned about getting seats. And then so Jake goes, you know, actually, I was, wasn't going to say anything, but um, Adam, another friend of ours, actually got tickets for his birthday and he invited me. So Jake was going to go. And I said, uh, well, okay, uh, why, don't, why don't I just go a different time and we'll see something else on Thursday night? Which is okay. weird. I, I, I've, I see them all on opening night. I, mm-hmm. I've seen, you know, I saw all the prequels. Um, I saw the re-releases, uh, you know, opening night is like mm-hmm. my thing. And I just said, you know, maybe, maybe let's not for this mm-hmm. Star Wars. I ended up taking the day off on Friday and seeing it okay. in, in the morning. Uh, but instead we just saw Coco cause it was so highly acclaimed. And I, I just went in not excited at all. I was like, here we go again. It's going to be pretty good, but you know, whatever, it, it, even the big, uh, uh, big hero six, which is like, you know, checks a lot of boxes for me. It's just like, I haven't watched that again. Cause just whatever. It's just yeah. it's an animated movie. It's for kids. Um, Oh my God. Coco was so good. The music was so good. I, I had to swallow a lump of cry three mm-hmm. or four times, uh, in the movie. I, it's, it's definitely a movie, um, that I can't wait to watch with my kids. Uh, I might watch it. Ag- <laughs> I might watch it again. You know, before I even watch it with with my kids, it was so good. Number five, Coco. Nice and uh, tiny. Do you mind if I leap over you again? Sure, it's fine. Oh yeah, my number five is also Coco, 
All right. Yes. All right. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, it's funny because I wasn't that interested. Like, like I am a huge Pixar fanboy. Like, I I own right. most of them. Like, I, I love Pixar movies. And even with my love of Pixar, like, as I grow older, I'm kind of, kind of not really – they're not, like, events for me each year anymore. Like, I went and saw Cars 3 on my birthday because that's just kind of a tradition I have is to go see a movie on my birthday. And Cars 3 was fine. Um, and like, I, I loved Inside Out and I thought Finding Dory was, was pretty okay. Um, and so I kind of went into Coco just not really expecting much. Like, I'd heard some whispers that it was really good. And then, like, I knew cause, cause I'm a Pixar fanboy, I'd heard like, oh, they're making a Dia, Dia de los Muertos movie. And this was years ago. And I'm like, oh, that's, that's going to be kind of interesting for Pixar, but it didn't really, like it didn't check any of my boxes. So I kind of went in kind of cold, didn't see any trailers for it or anything. And I mean, I was just really impressed with the family aspect of it and how it like, it goes into some kind of deep family things. And like, like I welled up quite a bit in a few parts as well. And I mean, just the story, like the voice acting is amazing. Yes. Um, I don't have the name of the kid offhand, but like, it's just this kid that does the voice acting is just, he's phenomenal. Um, uh-huh. and it's just, it, and when he finally performs, that yes. was a love of cry. Oh my God. So, so good. That and, uh, and of course the animation is just top notch because it's Pixar. You're, you kind of come to expect that, but beautiful, yeah. beautiful, like kind of landscapes and everything. And even some of the, some of the turns that the, that the plot takes, like in retrospect, it's like, Oh, I, you can kind of expect that, but like I was along for the ride and I just, I, I loved every second of it. Uh, yeah, I loved it. Coco, my number five, loved it. Nice. I haven't seen it yet. I really want to though. <laughs> yeah. Nice. And what's your number five? Uh, my number five is split. Oh, nice. And I, I really wrestled with this. I was like, it has to be on my top 10 because this is my top 10. It's not, mm-hmm. so, sometimes I wrestle with that too. Like, do I make this? an objective top 10 as in like what I think the best movies of the year war were. No, or is no. It my fav- it's always your favorite. Yeah, I know. It has to be right. Yeah. I, I agree. But I, man, I, I wrestle with that for some reason. I, I know I shouldn't, but, but I was like split blew me away and it mm-hmm. meant a lot to me as, as a fan or at the very least a previous fan of him yeah. that Shyamalan. Um, I know Matt and I were, immense fans of his for oh, yeah. so many years and like most of his fans we that that waned over the years with his with his poor showings but uh mm-hmm. this was a return to form and 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 I wrestled with it because it's so contingent upon his other work I'm trying not yeah. to spoil it spoil it but it's it's so contingent upon some of his other work that I was like does this really qualify to, is this movie mean as much to people who don't understand what happens at the mm-hmm. end you know does that does that less totally quality? yes many of my students don't know what you're talking about right mm. and they loved it okay oh nice it, that's it great. works it works as a great thriller i'm glad to hear so that. yes that's awesome yeah. okay i had to explain it i explained it to several students actually just uh just this week they're like oh i gotta see that yeah <laughs> and so i i think uh, a lot of it comes down to james mcavoy's performance um and he is one of he's my pretty much my favorite actor working right now um i i love james mcavoy and uh and i think he 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 was a bit of a roller coaster performance in the movie i think 
playing that character, it's hard not to be a little over the top um, because you're dealing with someone who's literally insane. And so I feel like sometimes he was a bit much, but then he would back it off and just absolutely blow you away. And so I, I, I think ultimately he did a phenomenal job. Um, and, and, you know, the, the movie was just so contingent upon him doing a good job. And, and I think that that came through and then all the rest of the pieces fell into place. And, um, it's, it's amazing. It was such a, it was action packed, but it was, I don't get scared at a lot of stuff, but I was like, man, this is like scary, you know, uh, towards the end again, I'm not going to spoil it, but like the, when certain events come to come to expire it's it's very uh it's it's scary it's super intense and it's like how do you how do you deal with this uh it's hard to tiptoe around it but uh if you've seen the movie you know what i mean it's just it's a super intense film and uh i th- i think it was a it was a return to form for m night Shyamalan, and i think there needs to be a direct sequel to it um bring every there, yeah, yeah, I know, yeah. but I, some people might gotcha. not know. But yeah, like oh, there's, yeah. I'm glad there's a direct sequel to it, and it's going to bring these storylines together. That's that. It just made me so excited for, for the Shyamalan universe uh, nice. that that I used to be a huge fan of. Um, well, I'm I'm still a fan of it, but you know, mm-hmm. I, my fandom for the, his work waned over the years. Yeah. And I'm exci- Are we confirming a Shyamalanaissance? Yeah, I... I think if the next movie is as good as we all want it to be, I think we can confirm it. And I'm... Uh, but then after that, what does he do? After that, yeah. After I, that, I'm where's he going right. to go? After he yes, gets out of an this, original property. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We'll see. But it's we'll definitely see. a possibility. And I, I haven't been I haven't been as excited for a Shyamalan resurgence or anything in a very long time. So Me too. Definitely mm-hmm. refreshing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, cool. so Tiny, that was your number five? Number five, yeah. Nice. I love Split. Sweet. And Mike, how about your number four? So my number four is Star Wars: The Last Jedi. Ooh. Nice. Yeah, I know, and I think that that sounds weird. I, I, you know, I'm come to think of myself lately as not someone who is known for any one thing more than anything else. What I'm known for is just loving a lot of things. Right. Like I'm not known for being a movie guy. I'm not known for being a Star Wars guy or the horror movie guy or the Cubs guy or the Bears guy or the comic guy or whatever. I'm the guy who's like obsessed with so many things. (laughs) And so the fact that it's number four, I almost feel, I don't know, I'm betraying my childhood or I'm betraying (laughs) Star Wars. You know, the fact that I didn't see it, um, on Thursday night feels weird. So, so I, you know, I'm just going to say that it, it, it feels weird to have it at number four on my list. Um, but I also think that there's, I also think that there's something true about it not getting an automatic number one. So, mm-hmm. so I feel good about number four. Um, man, what a polarizing movie. Yeah. I, I, man, I agree, Matt, you had it, uh, was it your number 10 or uh, number nine? Or, yeah. Number nine. I'm really okay. excited about this. If I could interject real quick. Uh, one sure. is that we couldn't get, we couldn't get you on for the episode and we couldn't work it out. So I'm very excited to hear your thoughts. Cause I, I haven't really heard your thoughts on it. Um, right. Yeah. In general. And then also to your comment about not seeing it on Thursday night, I think, I think you get kind of a pass. Like I get that it feels weird, but you, you have to give yourself kind of a pass because this is what the, 
third the third Star Wars movie in as many years, and you're going to have a new Star Wars movie every year for the rest of our lives. Like, <laughs> right. I mean, I think you get a pass for not making the Thursday night screening. Yeah, yeah, that's but, true. That's but yeah, true. so so yeah, so what did what did you think of the Last Jedi? So I'll try to I'll try to be brief because we you you did have uh you did allocate to me an entire episode <laughs> and I didn't make it so so I I'll try to be brief. Um so I really like when I left the theater I loved it. I loved it so much. Um for all the reasons that you said Matt, I loved it. Um I think the expanding of the expanding universe is great. Um the action was incredible. Uh, I think Poe is my favorite character. He's so awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and his humor really throughout the movie, but especially at the beginning of the movie was so funny. <laughs> Sorry. Did you hear those ice cubes? Yeah, you're good. <laughs> yeah. Um, so his humor at the beginning of the movie is just so funny. Um, it's great. The, the action scenes are so great. I love, um, you know, like some of the character choices they made. I, I think Mark Hamill was, was really at his best. Um, so much of it, uh, was so good. I, I really loved so much of it. What I really don't like, and I need to see it again, but, but what I really, what I can't get over, um, is how clear it is that there is no plan. And I don't know whose fault it is. I don't know if it's Kathleen Kennedy's fault. I don't know if it's whoever else at Lucas filmed. I don't know if it's Ryan Johnson is just saying, fuck it. I'm going to do whatever I want with my movie. Or if it's JJ Abrams kind of doing what is now the JJ Abrams thing, Mm -hmm. which is to throw so many Easter eggs at the wall and just see what sticks. And if some things don't stick, well, so be it. The first one was pretty cool or the beginning of the story was pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Um, So like when we meet Maz Kanata and she's got Luke's lightsaber and she goes, ah, that's a story for another time. Right. Uh, We don't know. And, and, and the, um, spoiler alert. So close your ears for a second if you don't want to. Whatever. Spoiler. Spoilers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, the lightsaber's broken. It doesn't matter. Ryan Johnson yeah. doesn't care. He doesn't care what is up with that lightsaber. Um, I feel like we were supposed to wonder who Finn's parents were. It doesn't matter. They, they're, they're. It doesn't matter. You mean race? No, I don't. I mean oh, Finn. Really? Um. I, I, yeah. I think what other things so many little things were hinted at as going to be paid off later on mm-hmm. that just aren't, that are just not things that matter. Most notably raise parents. So let me mm-hmm. say a thing about that in Ryan Johnson's film, the last Jedi, um, we learn that Ray's parents are nobodies right? Mm -hmm. They're, they're, they're nobody. And I know that people love to theorize people Mm -hmm. fucking love to theorize. Let me tell you right now, as far as Ryan Johnson is confirmed, uh, uh, is concerned, Ray's parents are nobodies. Mm -hmm. That is true in the world of the last Jedi. And I will fight you if you believe otherwise. Thank you. Thank you. Go ahead. Right. Yeah, (laughs) it, it is. It is as true as Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character is not Batman or Robin or, or is not Robin. I mean to say, right. Yeah. Right. They, yeah. As, as far as that movie is concerned, 
her parents are nobody. And do you know what? I really love that story idea. Mm -hmm. I think that that's great. And, you know, they pay off that story beat at the end of the movie Mm -hmm. with the little boy. Um, I think, you know, he has said in an interview, if she was related to somebody that's almost like too easy for her, Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's not a dramatic thing to, to give to her. There's not a mountain to climb, but that she's nobody and, and she can be somebody in spite of that. Um, I think that that's thrilling. However, it has also been confirmed that when they gave the movie to Ryan Johnson, they said, make the parents whoever you want. So they didn't have a fucking clue when they made Force Awakens. And I'm really bothered with by that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if they if they because they want us to believe that there's a plan. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one thing for there to be one movie and then a sequel and then a sequel, and they have to find ways to wait, make it work. But JJ Abrams, and, and I'm almost like angry at him for this, mm-hmm. wants us so bad to believe that this is a contained trilogy and there's plans and where so many things are going to pay off Mm -hmm. and, you know, uh, we're going to find out interesting things about Snoke and it's going to blow your mind and and all this stuff. There's not, that's not true. That's not a plan. There is no plan. Um, And something there, there I'm bothered fundamentally by that for some reason. Uh, that uh, that I just I'm I'm struggling to get over. Mm-hmm. I totally um, get that. Yeah, and I have I have comments on that, but c- continue if you have more. <laughs> I I don't know that I have any more. Okay. it's it's tough to say. Like when people ask me, did I like the Last Jedi? And I say, you know, as a movie, as a standalone film directed mm-hmm. by Ryan Johnson, I loved it. Yeah. I loved it. It was so fun to watch. But as a sequel to The Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. It's it's incredibly bothersome. Yeah, it's it's kind of one of those things that you won't. Oh, I don't. I hate to say this because it's it's incongruous to how I want to view media. But you're not gonna know how it fits until you, they make the third one. In right, see how it how it how it factors into the grand scheme of things. Um, but again, I, I'm willing to say. Like, so the third one will wrap things up and I'm actually thrilled now that it's JJ Abrams. I I love that he's, that he gets to pay some things off. Um, but it's not so much that he's going to pay anything off. It's that he's going to find ways to connect these Mm -hmm. scattered threads. He just has to find ways. And, and, you know, even when we look back, I hope some of them are paid off in interesting ways. And I think there will. I think he, knowing that, you know, so many things were left unsaid, I think he will pay some things off. But knowing now that there wasn't a plan, Mm -hmm. I, it, it's, it kept me up at night. Mm -hmm. It's, it's really disappointing that this new trilogy, that there's no plan. And what's kind of fascinating to me, is that this is, if I may, they they lostified Star Wars. Like this is the mm-hmm. exact same thing. I mean, that, I didn't want to say it. But, no, no, no. Yeah, I mean, it's completely yeah. true. Like, because it's it's almost like it's it's the exact same thing. Like J.J. Abrams created the first one. J.J. Abrams uh, had uh, he directed the pilot episode of Lost. He was instrumental in basically setting the tone for the entire series of of like 
mystery boxes and just uh, setting little things here and there and then paying them off later when whenever you know they can write to it at some point. Um, and it's the same thing that he did with The Force Awakens. And I I was naive enough to think that there was a plan because I didn't think that Lucasfilm and Kathleen Kennedy, I didn't think that they would they would just trust a, a filmmaker to to make something um, that connects well as an overarching story. Um, right. And like, and I will defend to the death loss and it worked for me for that medium, but uh, for the, for that, for that series. But like the, I think that the issues with the, the last Jedi and people's like the polarizing aspect of the last Jedi, it's, it's literally the same thing that I saw with lost. It's that people spent two years developing theories and ideas about oh ray's parents ray must be the ray must be a kenobi and snoke must be darth plagueis and and this is how it's going to factor into the whole thing and then when that is just literally just brushed away every single theory that's going to have a a very strong reaction from the people who their head canon is they have this entitled opinion about what the the canon should be because they've spent so much time developing it in their head. And it's not just a lost thing. Like I saw the same thing happen with like Westworld um, and like the, the kind right. of internet speculation just ruined that show for me. I couldn't enjoy it because of all of the speculation and everything. And it's just, I don't know. And it's in, I say that, but it's not like I'm defending it too much because it bothers me too, that it's not a, uh, a mapped out thing for star Wars. Cause you would think with a property that's, arguably maybe not even arguably but it's the biggest it's like the biggest franchise it's the most valuable franchise in the world exactly like Absolutely. Absolutely. why would they do movie by movie i i don't understand why they didn't have it they didn't have it mapped out um so i'm right. very curious what jj J. abrams is going to do but i just want to get that off my chest because even though we talked about it for hours in two episodes it's like i i didn't get a chance to really connect it back to to lost and make that connection but but yeah anyway it's your number four. <laughs> um, do you think J.J. Abrams is going to retcon anything? Like, is he going to go back on what Ryan Johnson did? Um, I don't know. I refuse to speculate. speculate. Nice. nice. We can't, and they want us to. Oh, yeah. they fucking want us to, yeah. and I, that's what pisses me off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, is that they just thrive on us, mm-hmm. like wondering and and um you know, reading everything and arguing and they don't know. They don't know. Mm-hmm. Arguing over here, this scene tells us that Ray's parents are this. It's gotta be this. Mm-hmm. They didn't know. Mm-hmm. No, you don't know because they didn't know. Yep. That's that, that is, that really bugs me yeah. a lot. And the thing that pisses me off is like, uh, it's weird because Star Wars is the one thing that like, I don't have this deep seated attachment to it, but I watch all the <laughs> movies each year. And then, or I watch the movies as they come out and everything. And then, like, that's the one property that, like, I will go and seek out podcast reviews of it. And, like, I've listened to about half a dozen podcast episodes of just random podcasts I don't subscribe to review it. And, like, there was one podcast that they, um, uh, like, like multiple ones that they were just like, oh, I don't think Ray's parents are nobody. I think they're going to be someone. And I'm like, that's, like, like you said, Mike, as it stands right now, her parents are nobody because that is the in the canon, according to Ryan right. Johnson. It hasn't been right. written yet. And like for them to just disregard something, it's not I mean, it, first of all, it's not it's not film criticism and that that bugs me too. But it's like yeah. it's just it's not it's not constructive. Uh 
And then there was a whole right. other thing that this is going to be – this could be a tangent in and of itself. But real quick, there was one podcast that – one of their legitimate complaints was that Rose and Finn's <laughs> side quest storyline in the movie, uh, the way that they put it is that it should have been Finn and Poe and they should have been a romantic couple. Oh, and uh, yeah, and I'm like, okay, I'm and like their their whole defense was like they had this perfect opportunity. Disney Disney was afraid to do that because it would have been a homosexual relationship in Star Wars. And oh, I'm God. just like, come on, yeah, exactly. I'm just like, y- you're, you're. By the way, and and coming from three proponents of the gay community, right? Of course, right? I mean, we're all for that, but come on, yeah. Come and on. and yes, we are all for that completely. But in this person, like this person that had that as a legitimate <laughs> complaint for why they didn't enjoy the movie, I'm just like, you're. You're basing your enjoyment of the movie on literally a like um a, a Good Morning America segment from two years ago where John Boyega hinted like like jokingly said that he and he and Poe were gonna uh like kind of as an aside saying like oh yeah Finn and Poe it's like so you spent two years developing that as a theory or as something that you wanted to see. And of course you're going to be disappointed because that's, it's not in the movie. Like it's not right. Uh, but right. yeah, anyway, it, that, that just, that bugs me anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah. So any more on the last Jedi? I, I no, wish it was, that's, that's fine. Go ahead. What? I wish it was higher or lower on my list so I could carry <laughs> with all this momentum, but it's a little mm-hmm. higher on my list. So. Nice. I will yeah. be talking about it a little bit. Alrighty. Well, what about your number four? Uh, my number four, I watched it today. Nice. Dunkirk. Oh, nice. You got it in. I did. Nice. I did. Um, man, I loved it. I just, I, one of my favorite things about it is that it does not stick to a Christopher Nolan formula, mm-hmm. which I think we've talked, uh, I know we've talked about with his right. last couple movies. He kind of, he was getting into a niche there and it was, uh, getting a little stale and, and he completely threw all that. Uh, all that to the wind with with Dunkirk. Um, I have a soft soft spot for history and military history, and so I knew I was going to love the movie. I, I knew it was going to be in my top ten, but it didn't change the fact that it it was a unique a unique narrative story with the with the nonlinear timelines and these uh, different perspectives on the same conflict uh, from the air, the sea, and the land. That's that was a very uh, a very cool concept, I think, and it worked really well. Um, and I, I think my overall favorite thing about the movie is just the technicality of it, the, the impressive way the film was made. Um, I'm sure, I know there's some CGI in the movie. There has to be, but I'll be damned if I could find any of it. Um, the movie was so practical. Um, I read some of the trivia for it and this is the largest, it's like the largest Navy ever, uh, accrued or acquired for a film. They had like over 50 floating vessels for this movie. That's just unbelievable. And they took full size military ships and they sunk them. I mean, they like that. They did that multiple times in this movie. They, that wasn't CGI. That wasn't some model. They took a military ship and blew it up like four times in this movie and sunk it. Just the, the, the logistics and the cost of that to do that practically. And the risks with that, the the human risk, it's just like what they went through to make the movie just absolutely blows me away. Um, they had, That's awesome. Yeah, they had over a thousand extras on set almost all the time. Um, that's incredible. They had actual 
fighter planes from World War II that they purchased for millions of dollars just to use them in the movie. Um, I just I'm blown away by the practicality of the film. It's it's just an incredible achievement. Um, and and despite all that, I wouldn't qualify this movie as like an epic. I wouldn't qualify right. it as like a military epic. Um, even mm-hmm. Christopher Nolan said during interviews and promotion for the film, he said that he loves Saving Private Ryan, but the intensity of that movie is not what he was going for. He wasn't going for that kind of intensity and scale with, with this. He was trying to tell this story from an inspirational standpoint, and and, and it was it's supposed to be something entirely different than Saving Private Ryan, which which is an epic film. Um, right. and, and so I think he, he just, it's so interesting that such a crucial event in not just military history or British history, but really in the history of civilization, this is a critical moment, uh, wasn't really an epic movie. It's kind of funny. And, and I think that's actually a credit to the film. I think trying to capture every aspect of the evacuation at Dunkirk is it borders on impossible. I, I think, I think it's borders on impossible. That's why there's certain, another huge event from World War II, the Battle of Stalingrad. There's no Stalingrad movie because that's a battle that took two years and, you know, it, millions of people died. It's like you, you can't make a Stalingrad movie and it's like you can't really make a Dunkirk movie either. And so I think this is the best, best version you can get of that story. And I was so inspired by the end of it. It was just so incredible. The it's arguably Churchill's most famous speech about we will fight them on the beaches and in the hills, and and it's, it's one of the most inspiring speeches of all time. And and the way it was included in the film was really impressive. And I just I, I cannot get over the technical aspects of the movie. It's just mind blowing. I I'm going to buy this Blu-ray uh, because I have to see the behind the scenes of how they made this movie. Uh, uh-huh. it's, That's it's awesome. Yeah, it's similar um, sentiments I had with Inception. Mm-hmm. You know, like how did they make this movie? Um, and so I, I, I'm just I was really blown away by by so much of it. Um, really clever movie. Um, and it's it's just unconventional as well in in so many ways. It's it's really unique in that respect. So I I just love Dunkirk. And there's probably a lot of people out there who did not like this movie because <laughs> it's it's just, it's unconventional to the point where it's not necessarily accessible for your average movie fan who was who's looking for a Saving Private Ryan type movie. Uh, it's uh-huh. it is not that. So, um, but I I I think that's a credit to the film, not a. <coughs> not a negative. So it's awesome. It's, it's, I, I'm so glad it made it into my top five and yeah. I was able to see it, man. I, I'm going to have to rewatch it. Cause I haven't seen it since the theater. It was just an honorable mention, but mm-hmm. I'm sure I'm going to regret not having it in my top 10. <laughs> yeah. yeah um, I get it. Yeah. All right. And, uh, my number four is the big sick. I think it screwed up with your daughter. Yeah. It did. Let me give you some advice, Kamal. Love isn't easy. That's why they call it love. I don't really get that. I, know. I thought I could just start saying something and something small would come out. Um, which, you know, we, you guys have talked about it. And, I mean, this was... We're getting into the area of the top ten where... I mean, these four, these top four, like, I had a hard time figuring out where to put them in the top four. And the big uh-huh. sick is no different. Like, 
I like first of all, I am a sucker for like good romantic comedies. Like mm-hmm. like like the 500 like 500 days of summer and movies like that. And what the big sick does is it it's it's oh, I don't know how to put it into words. Um so yeah, so echoing what what you guys said, it is a a very great story about Kumail Nanjiani and Emily V. Warden's uh their their relationship and the issues that arose when they started dating and everything. Um and it has some really remarkable performances. Like um like Tiny, I'm I'm a fan of Zoe Kazan Kazan. Um Mike, yes, she is like a the kind of quintessential manic pixie dream girl kind of character. Um mm-hmm. but here I I really loved her performance as Emily and it made me really fall in love with them as a couple. And like you said, she's not in the movie a lot. Like in the amount of time that we that we see with them together before kind of the the narrative switches over, um I mean that's that's enough to fill its own fill the emotional quota of its own movie. Um, because I just, I really bought into their relationship and I loved their chemistry on screen. And then you get this whole storyline with Kumail, um, basically falling in love with her parents in, in, in a certain way of speaking. Um, and just, it's, it's this really magnificent, um, emotional story about, you know, like Kumail says in the movie that they, they all went through like the worst time of their lives together and, it's just it's really great on screen. Like Ray Romano, I've never been a huge fan of his, but he was astounding in this movie. And Holly Hunter uh-huh. also was was really great. Um and then like like Tiny said, Kumail was like you both said, Kumail was fantastic. I love seeing him as a leading man. And in particular the scene where he is telling his parents about Emily yes. is like I like I I was like kind of tearing up and it was just such a great scene and um, man. And then in the way the movie unfolds, like I don't want to get like not to go into spoilers, but it just feels like a very authentic movie because it is their, their love story and everything. And I know there are, there are elements of it that they uh, left out or, or they didn't like, they didn't kind of uh, tell the complete story essentially. Um, Cause I know mm-hmm. that there were some issues that came up uh, later on, but just like the the story of of them together and then her sick and him with her parents and just like the dynamic of that was just really really fascinating to me and i i loved every second of it and it was like like i said my top 4 i mean this this spent some time at number 1 um because i i just really loved it so much but it landed at number 4 that's the big sick and uh yeah it's it's phenomenal i i loved it nice yeah so top three, Mike. Yeah, man, top three is even harder. Mm-hmm. I, it, it's I don't know if I say this every year. Check me, on, <laughs> check me on this. But <laughs> I think if you put these three in a bag and shook them out and put them in any any place, um, I'd be okay with the way it the way it turned out. I I wouldn't I wouldn't be upset if uh, if this one came out as as my number one. So number three is three billboards outside Emming, Missouri, nice. which is is my Oscar front runner uh Sam Rockwell just won the the Golden Globe for best actor in a supporting role in any movie uh and he has been my favorite actor for for many years and I'm just so excited um 
but he got he got an award for that. Um, uh, uh, Francis McDormand also won an award, right? Yes, she did. She also, she I also think so. Won. I didn't watch the Globes. I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I'm. It's not coming to mind, and I'm super embarrassed that I don't remember. Uh, I'm just a big Sam Rockwell fan. Um, also, the the movie itself won won best drama uh, at the Golden Globes. So. Um, I don't know that I've ever laughed so hard in a movie about like such serious topics. Uh, it's a movie about death. Uh, it's a movie about grief, dealing with grief. Um, the performances of Francis McDormand, Sam Rockwell, Woody Harrelson, um, are, are perfect. I mean, they're perfect. There's a scene in particular, um, between Woody Harrelson and Francis McDormand that, that kind of flips the movie on its head for me. I, I thought it was one thing. I thought she was one character. Uh, and then, and then they did something else with her that really, um, changed how I reacted to that character. And it really changed how I reacted to, to the movie. It's kind of like, um, the movie Crash and what people hate about Crash so much. The, the 2005's crash, the best picture mm-hmm. winner is the, is the obvious, like you think you know a thing about a person, but, but you don't. Um, and you know, I've come to have certain feelings about that movie and, and I, and I think it, it, it is guilty of some pretty obvious, like, um, you know, twists, almost grown worthy character twists. But this is like, if you complained about the movie crash, Three Billboards is is the good version of that movie, like the oh. the incredibly well done uh, version of that movie. So anyway, that scene that I'm talking about, they're in an interrogation room. I won't spoil it because I know a lot of people haven't seen that movie, uh, but it is it is my favorite scene of the year uh, between the two of them. Um, just great performances, great score, great great feeling um, throughout the movie, and I I really I try not to put too much stock in the Oscars, but I I really hope it wins Best Picture. I think it was the Best Picture of the year. Nice, nice. Number three, three billboards. That's awesome. Yeah, I I really regret not seeing this. Me too. Um, but yeah, I'll, okay, yeah. yeah. I think that you guys would have been floored by it. I'm sure. Nice. Just just floored. Yeah. Sweet. Uh, Tiny, your number three. My number three is it. Uh, nice. just such a great movie. We, we had a whole extensive, uh, four host episode review of it, um, with Tony Troxel and our friend Matt and Draco. Um, so reference that episode for OV221. OV221. Yeah. Check, check that one out if, if you haven't already. I, I won't say too much about it, but, um, just uh, such an incredible cast of characters and great actors. I shit on, kid actors all the time on this podcast and this is the this movie is the exception to the rule they are so good i loved all the kids in this movie and uh and uh bill skarsgård as pennywise great performance um i think people are going to want to compare it with tim curry from the Mm. series in the 90s and i i will compare i will it's it's analogous to uh the Joker performances between Jack Nicholson and Heath Ledger, mm-hmm. two completely different interpretations, both phenomenal on their both on their own. You don't really need to pick a favorite, in my opinion. Um, but they're they're both just great, and and I think Bill Skarsgård is a ter- terrific, uh, terrific interpretation of of Pennywise. Um, 
so I, you can just look at all the amazing things <laughs> that we talked about in OV 221. Um, you know, I don't really need to say any more about it. It's a great mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. Check it out. Nice. And, uh, yeah, that's actually my number three as well. Um, it's, and yeah, uh, everything you said, I, I loved it. Um, I actually just got the Blu-ray in the mail today. I forgot that I pre-ordered it. Nice. Um, but I actually, like, I just watched like the first, the, the Georgie sequence at the beginning and man, this movie is just so phenomenal. And yes, the kid actors are amazing. The chemistry between them is phenomenal. And just the shots of Derry is, are just, are just really spectacular. And it really brings you into the, the world of Derry. And it's, ah, it's, ah, it's so, it's so great. It's, it's such a fantastic Stephen King adaptation. I, I love it so much. Um, yeah. And that's, that's my number three. And, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm, I, I'm going to be talking about it later in the podcast. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Nice. Uh, so number two, mm-hmm. uh, I really, I, I honestly, I honestly struggled about which movie to put, uh, as, as my number one. It, it is my number one. Uh, number two is Get Out. So you guys coming up from the city? Yeah. We're just heading up for the weekend. Can I see your license, please? He wasn't driving. I didn't ask who was driving. I asked to see his ID. Call me Dean and you're hungry, my man. So how long has this been going on, this this thing? (laughs) We hired Georgina and Walter to help care for my parents. When they died, I couldn't bear to let them go. And I and I struggled a lot. Uh, I saw Get Out when it came out. I think it came out back in February. Is that correct? Yeah. I want to say January or February. So February. a long time ago and really all year I was like, yeah, get out is, is the best movie of 2017. Mm-hmm. Uh, you need to see it. It's, it's so current. It's so relevant. Um, it's also great. I mean, like if you take out the social commentary you were talking about, it's still a great compelling movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the, 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 the performances, of the main characters are so awesome. I love Bradley Whitford so much. Uh, in it just as a, you know, as a one thing who, who ends up being something else. Um, the story of it is like, it ends up being horror and sci-fi, not in a way that you thought it was going to be at the beginning of the movie. Um, but it's, it's so good and so compelling. Um, I love the momentum here at the end of the year that the movie is gaining. Mm. It did not do incredibly well at the Golden Globe. So I think that, um, you know, it, it might, think any of the best picture momentum it might have had I, that might have fizzled which is kind of a bummer uh, but nonetheless i think you know jordan peele's star if it hasn't wasn't already shining as bright as possible it's on the rise i, I mean i think he's going to be huge um i know that he you know has been tapped to work on several more movies a couple more horror movies mm-hmm. um so i i can't wait to see those um you know, that said, all, all that aside, it, it is a movie, I think, first and foremost, about the social commentary. You mm-hmm. you said, and you, you're correct, he, he did say this in an interview, that it's about um, how we have, there are many people who believe that racism is over. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it, it's, it's simply not. And, and this movie is so true. Um, 
ah, oh, man, on so many levels. And it, and it just, it, it, so much of it reminds me of conversations I've had and, and just living, you know, in Southern Indiana, so much of it rings so true. Mm. Um, and it's, and it's hard to watch. And so essentially, while I think it's a more important movie than it, which, which I'm just going to gush over here in a little bit. Sure. Um, you know, I think get out is, is, is maybe objectively more important, mm-hmm. um, objectively more, more pertinent, more current, you know, more significant. I think it's a movie we'll remember, uh, uh, later on in, in years to come. I just, uh, I just felt so bummed by the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. I went, you know, if we go with it's our favorite movies of the year, I, I just couldn't call it my most favorite because I just felt so bad when it was over. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that, that this is what the world is actually like. I, I, I just, yeah. I didn't want to say it was my number one most favorite, you know, most fun movie of the year. Cause right. it's, it's, it's not, it's so good. It's probably the best, but it's, uh, um, it's number two for me. So get out number two. Nice. And yeah, that's the s- similar thing that I had last year with, uh, uh, Manchester by the Sea and, uh, La La Land kind of. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh yeah. So that's something important to kind of keep in consideration when making these lists, but yeah. Not nice. sure. Uh Tiny. How about your number 2? Yes, my number 2 is Wind River, nice. which I I talked about a few episodes ago. I sorry, I don't remember which number or it's episode. 227. 227. Okay. Um I I didn't talk about it a ton in in that episode, but uh man, it's it's such a great movie and and I think it's it's sort of miscategorized or maybe misinterpreted by the audience. I think there's a lot of focus on this uh, this murder mystery and uh, you know the the fish out of water FBI agent, but I feel like the entire story is really driven by Jeremy Renner's character and the trauma he's been through and how that trauma makes him the perfect sleuth, if you will, to figure out this mystery and and how that slowly the layers of that get peeled back and by the end you realize that if if he had just been working this story from the beginning we would have found out what was happening and maybe some of this tragedy might have been uh you know circumvented and and prevented um i i just i was really blown away by the centrality of his character and the trauma that he experienced and how that really drove the story. I think it was such a cool idea for a movie to, to have a character like that in, in, in a sort of, I wouldn't say standard murder mystery. Um, cause I think, I think also the setting makes it very unique. Um, but you know, it's, it is a murder mystery and that's kind of a, a, a standard sub genre. Most people are familiar with the dynamics of that, that sub genre. And I think there was some very subtle, but very, satisfying twists on that dynamic and that made this such a cool movie. Um, and, and there is, there is a message involved in the movie about, you know, how, how women are especially disparaged in, in native American cultures, um, just because of the nature of how that those cultures have evolved, uh, and especially how they fit into the 20th, 20th and 21st centuries. Um, and, and that's, that's an interesting commentary. Um, but, but to me it was, it was kind of, secondary to, to, to how incredible the story was and how good of a movie, how good of a fictitious story it was, uh, despite the, the reality of, of the setting. 
Um, so again, I, I, I'm sympathetic to that, to that cause. And, and I, I'm glad that it was able to be infused with such a incredible story. Um, I, Jeremy Renner is currently my front runner for the Oscar for best actor. Um, I haven't seen a lot of the other performances, so I can't, it's not a, it's not a super well-informed choice, but he, he's my choice for the moment. I'll be disappointed if he's not at least nominated. Um, I absolutely loved, I think this is his best work so far is, is this performance. And, uh, and he's just one, one of the actors in this, this phenomenal movie. It's, it's really good. Nice. Yeah. That's another one that I'll have to revisit at some point, but mm-hmm. it made my honorable mentions. Mike, did you get a chance to see Wind River? I did not, unfortunately. Okay. Nice. Well, uh, my number two is, uh, uh, the disaster artist. Um, wow. yeah. And you know, wow. okay. yeah. And you know, I totally get your guys' points. Um, it like i i can understand the perspective that it didn't it didn't understand if it wanted to be a comedy or a drama um i respectfully just uh i didn't get that sense from it um i i thought that it juggled those those tones really well for me at least um it i'm someone who just i, I like i adore <laughs> i adore the room because it is such a very interesting viewing experience um, like just the, the fact that so much went into creating this, this film, this movie, and so much went wrong, and so much is so, uh, un, re, reeking with, like, no talent or anything. Like, just the fact that this was made is just, is just remarkable that there wasn't enough input to, to make even something, uh, even necessarily coherent. But the way that the movie, the thing that kind of speaks to me in the movie and the, and the thing that kind of, uh, I really enjoyed about the disaster artist was that it tells a very, a very human story about, you know, these people that just genuinely just had their own dream. They, they wanted to do something and then they set out to do it. And it's like, it hits all the marks of like, on the surface, it's like, okay, this person has a dream to make it big in Hollywood. So they're going to self-finance this movie and they're going to make it big because of it. But, when you like the fact that they're not talented <laughs> is kind of the the big like kind of key point of it and it's just amazing to watch the moving pieces coming together and failing so miserably and i think that that's something that the movie depicts really well and it also tells a very interesting story about Tommy Wiseau and 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 uh and uh Greg Sestero and their kind of um their friendship and and Tommy's kind of, uh, domineering, uh, kind of, uh, um, domineering, uh, wow, what's the word? I'm, uh, selfishness. Um, I just, I just loved how that, how that movie came together in the depiction of making this terrible movie. And obviously I'm a sucker for all of the incredible, uh, <laughs> Easter eggs throughout it, um, for the movie. Cause I, I'm a huge fan of the room, but more so I just love James Franco's performance and, the story of Greg and Tommy in the disaster arts. And, uh, and yeah, so the, I, yeah, the movie just, the movie just felt weird to me. I, I mean, I, I mean, you know, Tommy Wiseau is, is weird oh, and, yeah. and the room is weird. So I, I don't mean that it, you know, I, I was confused or anything by the sure. movie. Um, but there's something 
like I don't like Tommy Wiseau as as a figure of interest. I think he's incredibly unlikable and right. and um you know, there's one thing to have a passion for a thing, but there's another thing to just completely miss when you're not good at something. Mm-hmm. Uh and and so like I I I get you know, that a lot of people like the movie, but mm-hmm. there is this new like appreciation for Tommy Wiseau, which I think is unearned. Yeah. Oh, um, I, agree I don't that like completely. the way he treats Greg. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I, I mean, he's clearly a narcissist. He's, mm-hmm. he's clearly a misogynist. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, they depict that scene in the movie yeah. and he's just this weird, like, it's not cool that he lies about where he's from. It's mm-hmm. not, I, I just, I find him so unlikable um, that, you know, getting, getting his history just was not like, I, um, I was just not compelled by him. And that's, and you know, that's, that's totally fair. And I would, I would go so far as to say that, <laughs> He, I mean, he's the villain of the movie, and and Greg is is somewhat of our protagonist in it, and it's just this. Although that that kind of, I I don't know that. I mean, that's a tough that's a tough call because um, the end of the movie paints Tommy in this this more positive light, without having right. the the uh, comeuppance that his character kind of deserves throughout it. So I can definitely see that right. point. I just I don't know. I I just don't. Uh, I can I can see that, but I I just don't count it against it because um. Yeah. It was well, such of an course, if if, if you know if you connect with a thing and I didn't connect mm-hmm. with it, that's fine. Of yeah. course, but it's funny because like your your uh your criticism criticisms of it are like like they're on point. Like yeah, I like I <laughs> I appreciate the movie and I I really enjoyed the movie enough to put it in my top uh, on my on my number two and I'll keep it there like and everything. But it's a fascinating thing that the lead actor the lead character in the movie is is completely unlikable like i'm not i'm not growing out my hair and wearing sunglasses and talking in a weird accent because i admire uh uh tommy Wiseau and the disaster artist but it is it is a fascinating kind of i guess case study or whatever that a movie that has such a such a terrible lead character who is based in a, like a real life character like a real life human being uh, still makes the number two list on my on my uh, on my list. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I I saw the room for the first time this year as well, and uh, unlike Mike, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was hysterical. I I did you watch it with anybody? Actually, no, I watched it by myself in my basement. It was and that's yeah. how I watched it the first okay. time too. Yeah, I'd love yeah. to see it in a theater with an audience. And it's the uh, best experience. I, I laughed so much. I thought it was hilarious. I live tweeted it if anyone wants to mm-hmm. wants to see that. It, I thought it was great. Yeah. Um and yeah, I guess just different strokes, but I yeah. I loved it. Um Michael, your number okay. one. My number one movie of two thousand seventeen. Kinda weird that it's it. Mm-hmm. What happens when another Georgie goes missing? <laughs> One of us. Are you just gonna pretend it isn't happening like everyone else in this town? If we stick together, we win. Um, I, 
gosh, I loved this movie. It's so good. It's so good. It it is as good as the accolades that it were, were heaped upon it. Uh, um, after the movie came out, it is as good as the the hype train uh, built it up to be beforehand. It is as good. Um, I am not a fan of the original. I I find the original to be super cheesy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it creeped me out when I was inc- incredibly young, way too young to have seen that movie. Uh, and then since seeing it, I just, it's cheesy made for TV. You know, I think Tim Curry is iconic in it, but the rest of it is, is super nineties cheese fest. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And, and so I, I've had to do a lot of, uh, um, of, not mansplaining, but adult splaining sure. to young people uh, that it's not a remake of that movie, right? Because it's all, because it's a TV miniseries, and it's mm. also not they're not remaking that. It's a film, the first film adaptation of, of Stephen King's novel. So, mm. um, you know, I've had to make that distinction several times. But anyway, um, it's uh, it, it's a horror movie, and I love horror movies, so immediately um it you know it puts itself on its list it ha- it has a good chance to be on this list and um it's it's so scary at times and i love that about it um i i talk about this a lot at school with my students you know i have i have a lot of students who are like oh it's not that scary you know the the standard teenager mm. i i refuse to let my guard down about anything lest i seem uncool for a moment in front of a girl uh, oh, I didn't even think it was that scary. Well, fine. First, I don't believe you. I think you did find it scary. But also, even if you didn't, can't you recognize that other people did? Like, it didn't keep me, the movie It, didn't keep me up at night. Um, But I recognized that the scares were well done, right? Like, I didn't pee my pants. I didn't jump out of my chair. But there were times where I went, yeah, that's a really good scene. That's a very good scene. That's a good scare. You know, and that's kind of what, uh, my, my friend Jake, when we go see, when we go see movies on movie nights, that's what we do when we see a horror movie. It's, you know, we don't, we don't drop our popcorn all over the place or jump out of our seats, but like we'll look at each other and go, yeah, that was good. That was a good scene. That was really good. So, yep. Yep. That worked. Uh, and so there was so much of that in it. So, so major props to it in the first place because it's scary. Now, if you take away that, um, it's also a great story about teamwork. Um, it's a great coming of age tale. It's about being young. It's about togetherness. It's about, um, this, you know, living in a small town. It's about summertime. Um, it's, it's about the eighties, you know, it's just, it's about so many things. Now it certainly doesn't have the social commentary that get out does. Um, and, and, you know, I'm such an activist lately that social commentary is, is important to me in movies. Um, so, you know, if there's anything I could say about it is that I, that I wish it did have social commentary, but, but absent of that, I, I can't think of a, of a movie that checked so many boxes for me, uh, was so well done, was so scary, um, was so, uh, um, heartfelt. Uh, you know, by the end of the movie, I, I'm, I'm trying, I'm swallowing lumps of cry, um, because of the way these, these kids come together uh, in this movie to, to do what they need to do. 
Um, it's so good. I, you know, I have to, I have to mention Bill Skarsgård's performance as Pennywise, which is, which is just so good and so scary. Um, it's, it's one that I saw twice in theaters. Like I just, I had to take my wife to it. Uh, it's a movie that I, I'm probably going to wait till Shocktober to watch it again, but I cannot wait. Um, I, I think it, uh, will be one of my favorite movies for, for years to come easy um uh, not easy i guess i could have gone either with get out or it but i just felt so good after i was done watching it that i that i feel okay calling it uh my favorite movie of 2017 Mm -hmm. it nice nice that's awesome uh yeah tiny your number one uh my number one is star wars the last jedi Yeah, uh, unlike The Force Awakens, which I think was my number three or two or something like that. Mm. Um, I, uh, I, we had a review episode about it, and so, you know, you can obviously reference that episode for, for uh, more extensive thoughts on, on the film. Um, but to kind of comment on what you guys spoke about earlier in your lists, um, most notably, Mike, you're you're being bothered by the lack of a plan. I completely get that. I, I I've spent a lot of time thinking about it as well, um, and I don't I don't even disagree with you. I think I think it is a little bit bothersome that they don't have a plan. But the reason why I think I'm okay with it is the fact that if they had a plan going into this final trilogy, I don't think we would get Ryan Johnson making this movie. I don't think we would get this movie. I think we would get something like the force awakens which stuck to which stuck to more of a star wars formula i think all of these notions and predictions that people had going into the last jedi a lot of those would have been confirmed you know oh uh you know um ray's going to turn to the dark side or um kylo ren is going to assassinate snoke and join the light side or you know, it, kind of these standard tropes or themes of the pe- previous two trilogies, um, and and that would have been good. I think we would have liked that, and it would have been fun to talk about who would have gone which way. But I was so surprised that we didn't get that. We got something completely different. We got we got departures from those from those ideas and those themes that we've become so accustomed to. And it's not that those themes would have been disappointing or boring it's just that i loved that i was so surprised i was so mm-hmm. taken aback by the result that we got it wasn't one of those standard themes it was something different and mm-hmm. and and the fact that ryan johnson added new mythos to this universe you know we were all i think at least for the most part i think we were all under the all under under the idea that uh the force and someone being force sensitive is a genetic thing. And it's, you know, it's, it's, everything's been so much about the skywalkers and it's like, you know, you get your, 
force sensitivity from your lineage. And we've, that, that was completely shattered in this movie. And I didn't see that coming at all. I, I was so blown away by that. And so I like to be surprised and, and I, I'm not saying that you don't or that other people don't, but I'm saying I like it so much that this made this one of my top two favorite star Wars movies. That's how much I loved it. And, 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 and I totally get that people are taken aback. I'm not trying to take that away from anybody. Um, cause you know, your experience is your own and I, I'm not disparaging that. Um, but I, it just worked for me so well cause I, I, I wanted to see something different and this was a really different star Wars movie. Nice. Yeah. That's yeah. I got, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm with you, and I and I kind of like I said, I I really did love so much about it, mm-hmm. um, and I can't say enough. Just how, like how, as a standalone piece, yeah. Um, and really as a world builder, I was like, man, that it's such a great, great movie. Really, a great, you know, piece of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Um, I I'm I just don't. I'm so tired, and really, I feel this way about just the movie business in general is, mm. is the, is the hype train. Yeah. It's hype. So much hype. Everything is about the hype. Mm-hmm. Um, that is just, nobody's got any plan. Yeah. And, and that's fair. That, that is, I think that is a bit worrisome as far as, you know, the grand scale of the franchise. I, I totally get that. Um, but for me, I, I see, I see it as, um, an opportunity as opposed to a, disadvantage i guess i'll put it that way um Mm -hmm. i'll use those two adjectives but um yeah when i when i came out of the last jedi i i came out of the movie thinking that (laughs) like i mean it probably would have been my my number one movie of the year if this was star wars episode seven the last jedi Mm, okay like if this was the first part of a trilogy because Uh yeah yeah because like because we've got like that's what feels just so weird about this trilogy because we have the setup of Force Awakens and then the knockdown of everything in the Last Jedi like where does that leave us with the third one right like it just seems kind of kind of weird but yeah I love and that I'm movie excited ever. about that <laughs> <laughs> sure sure yeah um yeah so so my number one it's funny because <laughs> Mike hearing you talk so passionately about it. And, and like, uh, reflecting on like the big sick, I kind of mm-hmm. feel like I should have put it or the big sick as my number one. But <laughs> my number one was, uh, is Blade Runner 2049. There is an order to things. That's what we do here. We keep order. is built on a wall that separates kind tell either side there's no wall you bought a war you're a cop I did your job once nice oh wow yes. okay yes. interesting oh yeah and because of a lot of the things that you said, Mike, it is my favorite kind of science fiction. It's a hard sci-fi that's contemplative. It makes you, <clears throat> it, it is, uh, um, it, it really sets you at a, at a, um, 
how to phrase it um the main character or at least the or at least ryan uh oh my god ryan gosling's character is so layered and 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 fascinating to me and his journey throughout the movie is really really remarkable to me in the grand scheme of of the blade runner mythos and everything like um and this is a movie that i like i said i revisited the original blade runner before i saw it and the way the reason that I said that Mike, you should check out Blade Runner and then rewatch Blade Runner twenty forty nine is that it connects really well um, as yeah. far as story and and it is one of those rare sequels that isn't it's a sequel like thirty years after the original that isn't a legacy sequel like even though they bring back Harrison Ford it's not like he's coming back to help Ryan Gosling uh, and tell him all about you know, uh, uh, blade running and everything so that the young audience can go, go along with the new, the new character. Um, it is very much a continuation of the original blade runner and it follows so many of the, the, um, the mythos and the, the breadcrumbs that were left in that movie that people have been thinking about for 30 years. And what I love about it is that it doesn't, it does that while making very profound statements that are in league with the original Blade Runner, but are unique in their own right. And it's something mm-hmm. that you like, it's just an amazing, an amazing, uh, feat that Denny Villeneuve was able to, to do this all like in this movie. And it's cr- like one of the other reasons why it's number one on my list is that this movie did not perform well at all. Like it, it was, a, it bombed. And, mm-hmm. and that's such a travesty because this is one of the most beautiful movies I've, I saw all year, all year. Um, and like you said, Mike, the, the, the soundtrack was like very, very powerful and prominent. And I just, I just loved, I just loved this movie and the Blu-ray comes out next week and I, I can't wait to see it again. I really can't. It's, it's such a great movie and a great kind of rumination on, on humanity and, and, and mortality and, um, kind of evolution of, of the species, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. it's just, it's, I, I really, I really enjoyed what, what Villeneuve did with the Blade Runner, um, I guess franchise at this point, but I just, I just love it as a, as a, as a movie kind of set in, in the Blade Runner world. <laughs> I yeah. think I was almost ready to call, uh, Denny Villeneuve, uh, my like my favorite director working after oh, yeah. arrival and yeah. i it's, it it maintains nice right? still still true mm-hmm. if i had to pick any director to make a blade runner movie it would definitely be denis villeneuve oh absolutely i mean right. he's i think he's the best yeah. sci-fi director working right now without question mm-hmm. yes awesome oh, yeah. i want to i want to see him do something else um you know i i, I think his original works are cooler than uh than 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 blade runner i mean i love yeah. blade runner it's it's my number 10 but arrival for me was so amazing enemy is so amazing prisoners i've said i think is one of my favorite movies of all time right i uh so. and arrival was my number three last year um mm-hmm. but yeah it uh blade runner just oh i i can't wait to watch it again I need to see it. Yeah, I really nice. need to see it. You do. Yes. And wh- <laughs> which version of the original did you? Say? The final cut. The final cut. Yep. Okay. Because there's like four versions of it. There's a ton. Yeah. It's crazy. Right. Yeah. Um. So that's our top ten list, guys. 
Nice. We did it. We did um, it. We did. Yeah. Now, uh, real quick, I did reach out to Fekus, who uh, has been very frequently a guest on the podcast, of course. Um, and he actually has a top 10 list that he gave to me. So I'm going to kind of run through it real quick um, so that his voice can be heard. Um, he said, man, this was tougher than I thought. And I'll go from 10 to 1. 10 is War for the Planet of the Apes. 9 is Thor Ragnarok. 8 is The Shape of Water. 7 is... Didn't get to see that. You know, me I, either. I saw it and I I didn't get it. I, I honestly just didn't get it. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like the... like It's fascinating because it was made for like less than $20 million. Really? And like b- mm. visually, it's it's beautiful. It's magnificent. But... The kind of central storyline of the, the, the kind of romance of the story, it was just kind of lost on me. I, I just couldn't buy into the characters. Um, but anyway, um, enough about my feelings. This is Fekus's list. <laughs> um, number seven is Alien Covenant. Uh, six is Logan. Five is Wind River. Four is Dunkirk. Three is Blade Runner 2049. Uh, two is Coco. And one is Star Wars The Last Jedi. And he had a couple oh, of honorable yeah, Star mentions. Wars. Yeah. He had a couple of honorable mentions, uh, Free Fire and Molly's Game. Um, if he had seen, he said he would have made the list if he had seen it before the new year. And he had three worst of the year movies, um, Kingsman, The Golden Circle, uh, Power Rangers and The Dark Tower. <laughs> so. Okay. So let me, I'll, I'll, I'll just say a few things. Good list. Go cool list, Fekus. Mm-hmm. Um, I I kind of decided I, I'm a, I'm on a new I'm on a new mission just to kind of bring positivity back to the internet I guess you could say <laughs> sure. um so I I I I'm I didn't do a, a worst list of the year um I just I just feel like let's talk about what we love not about what we hate you know what I mean mm-hmm. I, I think I think the things you're interested in are more interesting than the things you don't like so right so I, I just kind of decided not to do one um. Mm-hmm. He, that being said, um, <laughs> Free Fire is some of the is some of the least fun I had at the theater this year. Oh, interesting! <laughs> if I can betray, if I can betray exactly what I just said, um, we saw Free Fire and I did not get it. I did not get it. We so do you guys know about this movie? Uh, all I know is that the guy that made High Rise, right? And okay. I never saw that. Movie. It's it's yeah. a ninety minute shootout like that's the conceit it's 90 minutes of a gunfight um and it's really really cool for (laughs) 40 minutes (laughs) uh and then it and then it just gets really long i yeah i i I did not i did not like that movie Hmm. uh also on the flip side i am the one person you heard about on the internet who liked power rangers oh really (laughs) interesting (laughs) well uh, Jake and I both did. It, I mean, um, it was stupid. I oh, mean, it's yeah. a stupid movie. Sure. But kind of like we said about Ninja Turtles so, several years ago now, mm-hmm. it's it's called Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Like, do you remember the original? <laughs> yeah. It's, like, it's dumb. Yeah. Um, But it, you know, I, I just, I didn't take it seriously. It, yeah. it, uh, it tickled that sense of nostalgia that I mm. kind of hoped for. Um, sure. and I, I surprisingly had a lot of fun with it actually. Yeah. 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 And that's, and that's fair. That's why I didn't make like, I have a, I have a short rundown of worst of movies, but, um, but yeah, cause I mean, it, it, 
I did have some fun with it, but I mean, you can't go into Power Rangers or Ninja Turtles and expect them to Dark Knight it. Like, right? Yeah, it's, it's not. If you go into that that property with that expectation, it's it's gonna be bad for you. Yes, um, for sure. I didn't mind Power Rangers. I thought I thought it was a little bit fun at times too. Mm-hmm. It is yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I I thought I thought the 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 kids who play the Yellow Ranger and the uh, the kid who played the Yellow Ranger and the kid who played the Black Ranger mm-hmm. were not good. They were really not good. Actually. Yeah, I thought there was um, actually some halfway decent characterization going on. Like mm-hmm. some some of the depth of the characters, I was like, that's a little bit surprising for a Power Rangers movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah, um, I liked their, I liked how those characters were written. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I just I don't I just don't think those kids are very good actors. Yeah, that's um, true. And and that kind of came through. Now I do the the. Um, the kid who played the Red Ranger, who mm-hmm. is who is now kind of having his moment. He uh, yeah. he was on Stranger Things. Um, what's his name? It's it's Daker, something it's Daker something Montgomery. weird. Dacre Montgomery. What is it? Uh, Dacre Montgomery. Dacre. Yes, yeah. Dacre Montgomery. Um, he was he was pretty decent. Yeah. And then of course the kid who played uh, Billy the Blue Ranger was I thought was very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know, good action, good fun, stupid. It's fun. It's fun. Yeah, I don't know. Nice. Uh, Tiny, do you have any worst of? I do. Really quickly, I have three. We've spent a month talking about the Dark Tower. <laughs> it's it's uh, it was one of the worst of the year. Uh-huh. Um, what the Health was a documentary on Netflix, uh, based on very shoddy, incorrect research and pretty frustrating. As a, uh, they attempted to just get a bunch of gotcha moments and it didn't work. <laughs> um, wow. Really, it's not a good documentary. And then Fifty Shades Darker, uh, oh, yes. even more ridiculous and over the top than the first one, which I didn't think was possible. Mm-hmm. But they pulled it off, and it was hilariously bad. Yeah, which we'll have to talk off, Mike. But Mike, I don't know if you're aware of this, but um, Matt and Draco, our one of our Patreon subscribers, has uh, graciously offered to sponsor me and Tiny to go see the entire 50 shades trilogy in a marathon next month. Oh my. Yeah. yeah. And like, and l- let me get your read on this. Cause like, I want to do it for the experience. Cause I think it would be a funny thing to like a, a fun thing to kind of say like, Hey, I saw that, like I did this, but I also don't want right. to spend eight hours in a theater watching three movies that I don't like. So like, I'm thinking like, if there's any way to like get like some kind of like fundraiser going for it, I don't know if there's enough time for that. Like, <laughs> if there's something good that can come out of it, I would do it, but I, I just don't know. Well, so. when you said sponsor, I thought you meant he was going to pay for it. No, that's what he, that's what I mean. He's paying oh, for our tickets. Well, if yeah. he pays for it, um, I think it's a good little feature for the podcast. I, I think in that case, yeah. you're, you're doing work for the podcast. I, I, I think you should do it. That's true. It's still eight hours. It is of your time. <laughs> Take a day off work. Yeah. Um, but we'll, I think, yeah, I think we will probably end up doing it or something. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it's interesting to get your feedback. We'll we'll have you drive up and uh, and you'll be <laughs> <Yeah>. involved. <laughs> uh, I think I'm busy that day. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so I have a few, just a few worst of the year movies, and they're not even like. I'm kind of uh, slowly um, subscribing to Mike's kind of idea of just like kind of celebrating what we like um, in that like 
I wasn't there wasn't there was no collateral damage for this year. Like collateral or collateral beauty. Uh like <laughs> last year or the year before I railed against that cuz it was just an obscenely terrible movie that I saw because it was getting such negative reviews. There's no movie like that this year because I am more precious with my time. So uh my four worst of the year are uh The Great Wall which was just the buddy comedy of it didn't or the the interactions between Matt Damon and and uh, I think it was Pedro Pascal just didn't work for me. The CGI was shoddy. It just was a forgettable movie. Um, the next two were just the kind of they go hand in hand. Uh, Baywatch and Fist Fight, <laughs> um, two comedies that weren't that funny. Baywatch they tried to do the Twenty One Jump Street thing, but didn't didn't really hit their mark that that hard. No, on it. Yeah, it was just <laughs> really not good. And then. Fist fight was the worst thing you can say about a comedy. Completely forgettable. Um, just, just nothing. Do you think that they wanted that movie to be called Teacher Fight, and and somebody said no? That's a good question. Maybe. I, I, I just don't understand why it's such a boring name for a movie. Oh, absolutely. Really, Fist Fight. That's that's the name. Yeah, that, I, I, I would not be surprised. Yeah, I would not be surprised if that was uh, if that was a, a thing. Um, and then finally, we've talked ad nauseum about it. The Dark Tower, check out OV 208, 211, 216, 217, and 218. <laughs> and then, of course, check out towerjunkiespod.com. Let's leave Jesus. it at that. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, I think that about covers it. I do have some podcast stats I want to throw out, if you guys don't mind indulging me for a second. Do it. Okay, so uh, Obsessive Viewer now has three podcasts. We have Obsessive Viewer, Anthology, and Tower Junkies. So throughout the course of 2017, uh, we, as as a trio of podcasts, uh, produced and and uploaded and, and, and published a total of 70 episodes, 7-0. And that accounted for uh, four days, 22 hours, 51 minutes, and 15 seconds of audio in 2017 under the obsessive viewer podcast banner <laughs> um 32 of those episodes were uh for the obsessive viewer this podcast you're listening to for a total of three days five hours 47 minutes and one second or 65.4 percent of the overall podcasting for the year <laughs> um my solo side project podcast was anthology i did 22 episodes uh for a total of 20 hours 58 minutes 21 seconds for 17.4 six percent of overall podcasting and finally tower junkies was 16 episodes for 20 hours five minutes 53 seconds and 16.9 percent of overall podcasting so um having said that uh we uh had a had a pretty good year guys <laughs> yeah it was good yeah and yeah, that's uh, awesome yeah and i i i have so many more stats about the podcast but i'm just going to throw it on the facebook group and and uh and let people look at why I'm single in 2018. Um, so 70 podcast episodes in a year, 70 in a year. Yep. That's awesome. Oh yeah. Four days of hearing our voices in your ear holes. <laughs> um, beautiful. Oh yes. Oh yes. So let's go for 140 next year. Oh God. Guys. Right? <laughs> um, anyway. Um, yeah. So, uh, I think that about does it. Mike, do you have any closing thoughts or, Anything you wanna wanna bring oh, up? Oh man, I don't think so. It was a really good year. I, I'm um I'm excited to 
to watch some of these movies again for mm-hmm. sure. Me too. It's a great year for movies. Yeah. Oh. Oh, I agree completely. I'm excited to catch up on like three billboards and uh, and Lady Bird and a few others. Um, most uh, real quick, most anticipated movie of 2018 for you guys? Anything jump out? Oh, oh I didn't prep for this either. Um, um, I think Black Panther looks really interesting. I was just yeah. about to say Black Panther. Yeah. yeah. I'm. I'm really. I'm super excited to see that. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> Off the top of my head, I can't think of anything else. Mm-hmm. I I mean, I would say I'm very excited for Black Panther, but seeing that trailer for Infinity War mm-hmm. uh, has me very fascinated to see. Like, I've said it before, and I'm just, I'm awestruck that, like, they're going to pull this off. Like, this yeah. thing. Yeah, they did it. It's, yeah, it's it's fascinating. Like, even if the movie isn't that good, I mean, it'll still be a feat. The journey um, was great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know what? It will be good. Oh, I'm yeah, sure it, it will, be. will be. Of course it will be yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah, so I guess that'll about do it. Like I said, I did uh, make a guest appearance on our friends at the Nerds You're Looking For podcast. Uh, check that out at thenerdspodcast.com. Also check out our sponsor, uh, Horror Movie Yearbook, at horrormovieyearbook.com. And then, of course, you guys can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer which I have started recording commentary tracks that I'm going to be putting up at random intervals. Uh, first one that came out was on Christmas. I did Jingle All the Way. And then uh, basically throughout the year, uh, I'm going to shoot for like once a month. I'm going to sit down, record a commentary track of a movie that I that I enjoy, and then put it up on the Patreon feed. So all you got to do is just uh, uh, pledge $1 to Patreon. You'll get access to that RSS feed. And uh, also... If you don't want to bother with all that, you can uh, find other ways to support us at uh, obsessiveviewer.com slash donate, which includes a link to our T Public store uh, where you can get merch and everything. Which, by the way, we did our contest for uh, uh, Obsessive Viewer shirt, and uh, let me check and see who the winner on that one was. I believe, yes, the winner for the um, Obsessive Viewer shirt was Curtis. Uh, who is very active in our Facebook group, uh, which you can find at facebook.com slash the obsessive viewer. And, uh, yeah, I'm very excited to get him a shirt. I'm going to be sending that next week. Um, so yeah, thank you, Curtis, for, uh, for the kind words on iTunes and for supporting us on, uh, you know, everywhere <laughs> and being so active on Facebook. Um, so yeah, so having said all that, any parting thoughts or should we close it out, guys? Close it out. I ought to do it. Yeah. All right, sweet. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. I think next week we'll probably do like an extended potpourri or something. Okay. And then, uh, and then, yeah. So thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Cool. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. And thanks for coming back, Mike. Yeah. Of yeah. course. Of yeah. course. Awesome to hear your voice. Yeah. <laughs> you guys too. Oh yeah. <laughs> 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 thanks, guys. Thank you. Sweet. <sighs> All Sweet. right. Sweetness. So yeah. So how you been, man? <clears throat> oh man, I've been really good. It, mm-hmm. Life is good. Life is super ridiculously busy, but mm-hmm. but it's good. Nice. Good. Very nice. Yeah. That's good. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. So when are you coming back to the podcast full time? You know what's funny? <laughs> when I when I t- when I texted you guys about doing this episode and how I was excited to do this episode, I was like, man, I think I'm ready to. To, to come back and keep doing the podcast. And then, and then I was like, oh, yeah, we're about to have a baby in yeah. two months. 
Yeah. Shattered dreams. Yep. Shattered dreams. Shattered. So we're, we'll push it back a little more. A little more. Okay. But we can still say you're on sabbatical. I am on sabbatical. Yeah. Okay. Trade traded dreams. Trading the dream yeah, of, right. of fatherhood different, for different dreams. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, you know. Exactly. So, yeah. I didn't want to be I mean, somber there. That's a joyous right. event. Yeah, it, it is. is. But it's pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, I mean, the podcast is pretty great, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> The podcast is your child. It is. <laughs> now I have three of them. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Obsessive Viewer, presented by ObsessiveViewer.com. You can find more of our episodes at ovpodcast.com, and you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else podcasts are found. If you'd like to support the show, the best and easiest way is to leave us a rating and a review on iTunes. More ratings and reviews means it'll be easier for people to find the show in the highly competitive film and TV podcast genre. It also provides us with valuable feedback on the show. If you'd like to donate to the podcast, you can make a one-time PayPal donation at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate or become a patron at patreon.com slash obsessiveviewer for recurring donations with different reward tiers. Every donation goes toward paying the fees to keep the podcast running and is greatly appreciated. For official Obsessive Viewer merch, including shirts, mugs, notebooks, phone cases, and more, visit our Tee Public store. You can also buy other great Tee Public designs in our store, and we'll get a small commission on the sale. You can find a link to the store in the show notes of this episode and at obsessiveviewer.com slash donate. The Obsessive Viewer's theme song is An Eclipse of Events and is provided by Loudlight from their EP, Mistakes We Must Make. You can find that and more great music from them on iTunes and like their Facebook page at facebook.com slash loudlikemusic. Any and all feedback on the podcast is encouraged. We love to hear from you guys. You can contact us by emailing podcast at obsessiveviewer.com or by tweeting us at obsessiveviewer, at obsessivetiny, and at I am Mike White. You can also like us on Facebook and join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash theobsessiveviewer where you can take part in discussions and polls between episodes. For more podcast content, check out Anthology, Matt's solo podcast, where he's reviewing The Twilight Zone as a first-time viewer and exploring other classic and contemporary science fiction anthology TV shows. You can find Anthology at anthologypod.com and anywhere podcasts are found. For book lovers, you can check out our sister site at obsessivebooknerd.com for book reviews, author spotlights, and a general celebration of reading. Finally, if you're philosophically curious, check out Tiny's side project podcast, The Secular Perspective, which explores the concepts of faith, religion, and existence from the perspective of secular hosts Chad and Amanda. You can find that at thesecularperspective.com and subscribe to the podcast on the app of your choice. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.